Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Batter Round, coming to you live from our Towson studios on a beautiful and warm Saturday morning here on November the 12th, 2022. I'm your host, the reigning, defending, <laughs> undisputed, take to rake champion of the world, three times defending, Paul Valley. He is wow. our three-time reigning, defending, take to rake loser mm. of the world. Zach Goodman. You're right. Good morning, Zach. How are you? Good morning. Still sick, unfortunately. Yeah, I know. I, I, I'm I, not I, enjoying I'd be, it. I'd be feeling sick, too, if I lost Take to Rake three, year, three <laughs> years running. I'd That's be, funny. That's a good I, I'd That's be a great one. pretty sick myself. Uh, Phillies fans are feeling sick right now uh, as the Astros closed out the World Series in six games last Saturday, just a mere hours after our show went off the air. There's a lot of vibration going on like a lot of yeah there's a so they have a gaming laptop here that's how mm-hmm. they run the the streams and underneath it is a cooling system like a bunch of fans that are actually running underneath that and that's what it is ah, gotcha. so i have no idea how to turn that off and i don't know why it's there uh, you probably shouldn't turn it off probably we'll, not we'll, we'll let it go and we'll we'll soldier on so as i said astros close out the world series winning their second world series in six years dusty baker his first world series solidifying his he was already a Hall of Famer, right? He was going to be a Hall of Famer because he has over 2,000 wins, ninth most in history, most amongst active managers. Yeah. Um, but he, he, it's cemented. His legacy is cemented for all of eternity now. He will be in the Hall of Fame, having won his first World Series championship at the ripe old age of 73. Uh, Jeremy Pena makes the world forget about Carlos Correa. He was the ALCS and the World Series MVP back-to-back. Oh, there, there go the fans. there. Oh. No, they're still there. Oh, it's, you oh, just can't hear them on my mic's off because uh, I, I muted myself for a second. But gotcha, yeah, gotcha. they're running pretty high. Um, where do we rank this Astros team among some of the greatest dynasties in the history of the sport? I mean, six straight uh, ALCSs—that's never been done. Four World Series in six years, two championships. Uh, we got to put them up there, right? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, they're they're in it almost every year, and it's something where. You talked about it on the show a few weeks ago that they're one of those teams that almost just seems to show up and get their work done at this point. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of question about whether the Astros are going to be good every year. Um, they, they run a pretty tight ship there. They're, they're run like the Ravens, really, if you want to make a football analogy to it, because they're always good. And you know the management's going to put together a good team, a good front office, and we'll talk about that a little later. But the team is always competitive, and they always put the pieces in place they need uh, to be in a really good spot. And they're one of those teams that, again, you don't have to think about that much. They show up yearly. They get their work done. Um, they, you know, relatively, I, I didn't hear a lot about them this year. They kind of stay out of the news a little bit, except for, you know, the 2017 cheating scandal, of course. But they just, they're really solid and competitive every year, mm-hmm. year in, year out. Well, if you want to be really solid and competitive, Make sure you come experience Maryland's number one sports book this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook and Live Casino and Hotel, the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland, and get competitive in your sports betting, especially since it's going to be coming to... Um, mobile devices in a mere <coughs> weeks. So if you were a betting man, you bet on the Astros like um what what what's his name? Mattress Mac did. Oh yeah. Where he yeah. He, he made he made 10 1 million dollar bets mm-hmm. on um at plus 750 odds 
for yeah. the Astros to win the World Series. He won $75 million. He did. Now, Mattress Mac is a guy who has made headlines over the years for the it, just the insane bets that he's put out there. Uh, when I used to do Glenn's show and we did our, um, our what, what, what was it, uh, Simply the Bets. Yeah. On Tuesdays, I had a segment where I had to come up with just this cr- a crazy bet. And a lot of times, it was Mattress Mac who was just betting and winning and losing millions. At one time, he bet that uh, it was something like, he said, if I don't win this, I will I will give off my entire inventory for free. And he ended up not winning the bet, so he had to give out his entire inventory for free. Now, inventory was, of? He's a furniture salesman. Okay, I figured with the mattress name, yeah, but I just he, want to make sure. He's a furniture salesman, okay. but I, I, I think it was one of these things where... Um, he had to get rid of the inventory anyway because he had all this new stuff coming in. So he, like, it was either I could sell it at a, at a dropped rate or I could just give it away. And he's got so much freaking money. Well, I saw the video of him packing the, the money into a private plane. Oh, did really? Did you see that? Yeah. I did not. I saw the video when Bregman hit that hit that uh, double to break open the game mm. uh, uh, in like game four or game five or whatever. And, he, and he's going, woo! Woo! <laughs> I would be... What, what a player! Woo! I would be doing a little more than that if I was about to win $75 million. I didn't realize. See, I, I never knew what Mattress Mac looked like. So I always just envisioned this guy in his 40s or 50s just wearing, like, diamond-encrusted uh, um, uh, loafers. and. You're thinking of, like, a mafia furniture salesman. Yeah, and, and, like, I just, I just imagine this kind of slimy-looking guy. Mm-hmm. This guy looks like he's, like, 84 years old. Oh, yeah. He's... And, and he celebrates a woo! Yeah. <laughs> Literally no louder. Woo! Anyway. Um, so the Astros win the World Series. Mattress Mac wins a crap ton of money for them winning the World Series. They bring back Dusty Baker on a one-year deal. I was a little surprised it wasn't more. I guess because he's 73 years old. Yeah, yeah. But I was a little surprised. It doesn't seem like a large vote of confidence, but maybe it was something they, they both agreed on because he was like, look, I'm not getting any younger, and you know, let's just do this year by year. I mean, I, I kind of had the assumption he'd just go out on top, right? Like you, you win a World Series and you've waited long enough. Uh, you have over 2,000 wins. You're a guy who's, again, cemented in the Hall of Fame at this point. I kind of figured he'd just say, that's it, and not make another return to the Astros. Because, you know, say they, they win 87 games next year and don't go that far, and they're they're good, but they're not great, but, then he's going to want another year. But maybe maybe that's why they did the one-year deal. because it's possible. Th- th- there's a good chance that ownership said to him, hey, look, we're offering uh, our GM, James Click, James Click, this... Uh, this deal but it's one year one million dollars he's not going to accept it mm-hmm. we really don't want to lose our manager and our gm in the offseason yeah. after we win the world series why don't you come back for another year um we'll try to get some stability in the front office and then we'll play it uh, we'll, we'll we'll play it by year after that and he was probably like okay that, that makes sense to me they probably had a conversation like a gentleman's agreement like Look, sure we, we, we kind of need you just for stability here um, because even if even though they're the defending World Series champions and the players ultimately are the ones that win this win the win the win the games, it's not a good look to win the World Series and immediately, um, and then immediately get rid of your GM and your manager. It doesn't make a lot of sense. It's no, not a good, it's, it's not, not a, a good look. look. It's like it's like when the Orioles um, after the '97 season when they went wire to wire and were the best team in baseball all year, 
and then they get rid of Davy Johnson. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it's it, it was a bad look then, and they didn't win for 14 years after that. And it's, it would be a bad look for the Astros too, in my opinion. Now the Phillies, on the other hand, they went up two to one in the, the series, and the bats went completely quiet after Game Three. 240 million dollar payroll last season, which was the fourth highest in baseball. I didn't realize mm-hmm. that um, until I saw this the other night. Castellanos' struggles were well-documented. Schwarber led the NL in home runs. He was second in Major League Baseball with 46. But between he and Reese Hoskins, you really have two guys in your lineup that don't hit for high average. They strike out a ton. They're really all-or-nothing bats, right? And and so you look at the team. They declined the option on on Segura. The bullpen's been iffy. The rotations go, but Syndergaard and Eflin are free agents. Uh, They pick up the option on Nola. They still have Wheeler. What does this team need to do to get back to the World Series? Because... That offense, for as much as it carried the team in the postseason, yeah. when, th- when it went quiet, it went quiet quick. Well, frankly, I think they have a lot of work to do. They, yeah. they have a lot to replace. By the way, I was watching the World Series, and you know, all the games, I was thinking the same thing over and over. What does Reese Hoskins do? Like, uh, why, why is Reese Hoskins there? I've never understood it. I don't think Reese Hoskins is a very good baseball he player. He hits 30 home runs. He does, but Renato Nunez did that, too. Yeah, I mean, he's you in... Know? Uh, I- it's going to sound awful. He's essentially Anthony Santander. Uh, I think Santander is a better player. I mean, I, Considerably. I, I, I think Anthony Santander is a better player, too. But Reese Hoskins gets on base more. Reese That's Gos- true. Reese Hoskins had a higher batting average. They had comparable home runs. Hoskins had 30. Santander had, what, 32, 33? Right? I think um, they both dr- drove in right around the same amount of runs. And Hoskins is a fairly good defensive first baseman, right? Yeah, he's okay. Right. Sure. So... Until Anthony Santander starts hitting 260, 270, mm-hmm. I mean, Santander looks has the look and the feel of a better athlete. He's a bit younger, uh, but he they're on they're on the same plane, which is which is why and we're going to talk about this later too. Which is why I don't want a guy like Jock Peterson signing with the Orioles, no, because I feel like you're getting more of the same player, and that's what the Phillies have. They have uh, Schwarber hits an, an exorbitant amount of home runs. Yeah, with the low, he hit like 207 this year. Right with the, with the low batting average and the high strikeout rate, you have multiple guys on your team that do that. And the I don't want the yeah. Orioles to have multiple guys on their team that do that. I, I want them to have better players than that, and that's a, that's the problem that the Phillies have. Which right. is I also find it interesting. The Phillies have been linked to Trey Turner. Trey Turner wants to come back east. Could um, see it. And, and the Phillies need a shortstop, and they need somebody that because you're not going to. I mean. And maybe you could play. They declined the option on Segura, so maybe you have Trey Turner. You keep Stott at shortstop, and you and you have Trey Turner yeah. playing second base. But that that gives their 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 lineup length because mm-hmm. now you have sure you have Schwarber and Hoskins, but you also have Trey Turner and Bryce Harper and Nick Castellanos, who we both agree is going to come back and have a yeah. far better year. Oh, yeah. next year. That, I mean, that's good points. You definitely have to have some diversity in your lineup as far as profiles go and what guys are doing and why they're doing it. Uh, you know, I, I don't. Reese Hoskins is not one of the the worst baseball players in that team. I just think there's room to upgrade, and I think there's room to upgrade in a lot in that lineup. I think there's a lot of positions they could use to to improve. And they, again, they've got a lot of work to do. They've got a lot of guys they they probably should sign. They've got a lot of uh, they've got a lot of holes on the roster at the moment. Yeah, they were a World Series team, but you can't remember. You got can't forget that they were. You know, they were not one of the best teams in the league in the regular season. Um, they had a really great postseason run. They even almost faltered at the end of the year and, and missed the playoffs completely. So this is a team that definitely has holes to fill. Uh, they got to get better across the board. Yeah, I I I think that they do as well. But 
And you also have to worry about that World Series hangover. And I know that that usually, yeah. that usually happens for the World Champions, but it can happen for for your uh, your runner up as well. And, yeah. And you don't want them to. The Phillies certainly can't rest on their laurels. They've got to get right. better. And if they're willing, if they were willing to spend two hundred forty million dollars last year, there's no reason they shouldn't be spending that this year. Yeah. Um. My they, point. My point's not that they got lucky. That's not what I'm trying no, to say. No, I, 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 I know that. Yeah. I, I know I, that. And and I think the people listening know that, but. They got hot at the right time. Right. Exactly. And Precisely. They got, they, they got just like the Royals in 2014. The Royals were under 500 at like the 105 game mark in 2014, and they made a, a run and they got to the World Series. Yeah. What do you do to avoid a collapse? To be the 2015 Royals rather than I don't know what's a team that got to the uh, that got to the World Series one year like, like rather than be like the Rockies in 2007. Okay. Right. Fair. What do you do to avoid being that team? I mean, uh, you got to add more, right? Yeah, like, you, you, the you, bullpen's got to get better. It's got to get better, and and you you've seen teams like the Nationals in 2019 get by with a really bad bullpen, but that's also because they had some of the the best hitters of a generation. Well, I mean, that team not, is not and just, pitching too. Not just that, but they, they had three exactly. They had three yeah. really great starting pitchers, yeah. and in a in a seven game series, you don't really need three great starting pitchers. No, I mean you don't. But they they were unbelievably stacked at every position besides the bullpen, and mm-hmm. you can get away with that. But I don't think the Phillies are that, and I don't. Really think they're close to that. They do have guys like Bryce Harper, Kyle Schwarber that are really good Im- impact players, and of course the Aaron Nolas of the world. But you have a lot of holes to fill well, outside of that. That's the other thing is that you have to look at Aaron Nola and, and Zach Wheeler struggled in the mm-hmm. post. They, they mm-hmm. started good, but the, they ended the postseason struggling. How do yeah. you ensure that you don't have those struggles once you get to the postseason? Because these are guys who are they're regular season hosses, right? Yeah. But then they get to the postseason, they struggle. Nolan, Nolan. Uh, Nola has a history of underperforming in September. Well, maybe you go get, you know, I, I hate to say this because his postseason history, especially in the World Series, has been pretty shaky, but maybe you get a guy like Justin Verlander. Maybe you mm-hmm. get a guy who's been around for a while, and yeah, he just won his first World Series game. I know he's been, he's pitched, I believe, seven. No, nine. Nine, nine, and, he, and, he just, and he just won his first one. So that's not, you know, my, my point is more that you're getting that veteran experience, a guy who's been there so many times, and maybe he takes your team to the next level. Um, or maybe you go and you get another bat that has a lot of experience. Maybe someone like Michael Brantley that you can fill a spot with. I think they need a little bit more experience because you have the inexperienced guys like Alex Bohm, Alec Bohm and Bryson Stott, the guys that are making up still a core part of your lineup. If you add some experience, some guys that have been Brandon there before, Marsh, yeah. Brandon Marsh, of course, some guys that have been there before might take you over the top next time. Yeah, absolutely. And there are pitchers out there. Now, you're not going to get a Sandy Alcantara from the Marlins because you're in their division, no. but if there are guys out there that you could trade for or that you could yeah, sign. I'm sure. You could sign Jacob deGrom, who when he's on the mound, he's the best player on the field. Sure. There are guys that you can go get. It's just a matter of, are you going to go get them? And look, they're not losing a ton of guys off their roster from last year, so that payroll is still going to be really high this year. I mean, Castellanos and Schwarber each signed five-year deals last offseason. Right. Um, Reese Hoskins, you might be able to do something with. Bryce Harper is in year is headed into year five of a 13-year deal. Yeah. You have a lot of guys who are big payroll guys who are under contract, plus some guys entering that are going to be entering arbitration in the next year or two that's going to make your payroll go up. So it's going to be an interesting scenario for the Phillies to see what they can do moving forward to try and stay in a very competitive NL East because also remember that the Marlins are going to try and get better 
the Braves are still really good, and they're going to get better. And the Mets are going to get better. I mean, they just signed Edwin Diaz for five years, $105 million. Yeah, I yeah. mean, that, that division is going to be every bit as good as any other division in the baseball because yeah. it has really five teams that have the ability to make the playoffs. And I think the Marlins are going to take another step forward if they trade some of that pitching and they get some bats. The Marlins could be a really dangerous team. Yeah. I mean, people forget they made the playoffs in 2020. They, yeah. of course, are a 60-game season. But they played pretty well. I mean, they won like 31 games, I believe, that year. So they were better than a lot of teams in the NL, and that I could see that happening again. The Marlins, if they just round out the team a little bit better and uh, diversify some of that talent to other positions, they could be really dangerous. They, they absolutely could. And you, you think about the fact that the Braves and the Mets each won 101 games this past season, yeah. and yet the 87-win Phillies are the team that comes out of the NL East and makes it to the World Series. So it's going to be a competitive division. Phillies got some work to do to try and stay in it, but hats no off doubt. to them for a really good and successful 2022, especially firing your, your manager hundred game, not even 100 games into the season. Uh, fifty. It was like fifty-four games in the right. season, and then they, they just yeah, they they just played well after that, and they they turned it around, took off absolutely. Um, Orioles news: Jordan Lyles had his uh, eleven million dollar option decline. The Orioles uh, bought him out for the one million dollars. Zach, you were not a fan of this. Um, no, you look at it from um, a value standpoint. He's a one-win pitcher, and you can probably get that kind mm-hmm. of production from somebody for less than eleven million dollars. Now you can look at it as half glass full or half glass empty. The half glass empty people the half glass full people would say well the Orioles Michael I says lift off from here the Orioles are going to go out and they're going to sign a starting pitcher they're going to spend more money on a starting pitcher that's better than Jordan Lyles to pair him with guys like Grayson Rodriguez and Deal Hall and Tyler Wells and Dean yeah, Kramer and sure. Means. Um, or you can look at it glass half, half empty there go the Orioles being cheap again they don't want to pay 11 million dollars for, a guy, for no. a guy who had 180 p- innings pitched two years in a row I don't think that's it either. No. But there's going to be those people out there that think that. Well, sure. Right? So my initial reaction here wasn't that. It wasn't ever, oh, this is just another you know, example of the Orioles not willing to spend money. That was never it. My reaction here is, can you get a better pitcher for $11 million than Jordan Lyles? And I think, I'm not sure the war accurately represents what he was this year. I think he was a lot better than that. I think he gave them a lot of quality starts that, frankly, I'm not sure you know another pitcher at that price point may be able to do as consistently. Yeah. Um, so I, I think this, this argument for me, and, and the, the fact that I'm not happy with it, is going to be more... Uh, I, I, it's one of those things we're gonna. It remains to be seen, right? Like it remains to be seen if the Orioles can get a guy at eleven million dollars that's a better pitcher, or in the, the price range of eleven million dollars that's a better pitcher considerably than Jordan Lyles. I'm not sure that's the case, but maybe they think they can, and that's probably why they declined this option. Yeah, uh, and and yes, he he was he was he. He made what thirty three starts, thirty two starts on the sounds like about that. right. He, he had, almost uh, led the league. Yeah, yeah. He missed a start because uh, he was sick and then he came out and got and and started the game and back-to-back games in September where mm-hmm. they had they needed him to be that guy yeah and he gave up he, he put out a dud in those games and they didn't win those games when they needed and, and that that could be the difference you know what I mean that could be the difference in making a postseason run and not yeah. getting there um, but he did have 13 quality starts but then you look at it he only had 13 quality starts uh, yeah, you know the, the Orioles' leader last year was John Means. I believe he had 16, and Lyles had 17 for the Rangers last year. So even though the numbers, the ERA, and the wins were better than than Texas, um, the the uh, quality starts were down for Jordan Lyles. Even still, he was nearly a run. He, he was near nearly two thirds of a run better, or, right. th- or three quarters of a run better um, this year than last year. He did what you wanted them to do. I thought they'd pick up the option on him. They didn't. 
Um, now, there's a chance that he could be brought back at a lower number. I doubt it. I don't think you're paying a guy a million dollars just to pay him again. Um, but we'll see. The Orioles are going to, from what Mike Elias said at, 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 towards the end of the year, and then what he said again at the winter meetings this week, and I have some quotes here from the winter meetings um, that he said. Or the GM meetings, correct? Not, uh, yeah. not the winter meetings, I'm sorry. The general man- the, the general manager meetings. Uh, he said, we're, we're going to get started with addressing our major league needs ASAP. I expect yeah. a very active offseason for us. It's going to be different than the rebuilding kind of offseason that, that I've had since I've been here. Mm-hmm. To me, that's something to get excited about. Oh, yeah. Um, and to me, that says, we're going to go out, we're going to wheel and deal, and we're going to make some moves, and we're going to add to this roster, and we're going to supplement with the young talent we have with the guys who can help put us over the top. Do you, is that how you take it, or do you think that it's maybe a bunch of lesser signings? Well, I think it's all going to depend on what the market looks like. You, you see a guy this morning, Rafael Montero, get $35 million over three years with the Astros, and I start to think, man, maybe this market could be a little more expensive than we think it is. We saw Edwin Diaz get, you know, and that's just a re-signing, of course, but we see him get 105 from the Mets over five years. This market could be expensive, so I think that's going to really define a lot of what the Orioles do. If, if guys are right player, right price, then I'm sure they're going to make the move for it. But there could be a lot of lesser signings, especially early on. You could see them make some minor league deals, or you can see them make some you know, $5 million deals over, over a year. Something pretty cheap, something pretty respectable. But the, the bigger guys, maybe they make one or two big signings, maybe a trade here and there. I think that's going to come later in the offseason. It's really going to be defined by how the market you know, plays out, especially in the GM meetings right now, of course, and then the winter meetings in December. Um, and I think after that, they'll, they'll start to look at you know, down the road of what moves they can make, right player, right price. So I don't necessarily think they've really decided yet whether they want to make a big move or a small move, but they're really waiting. I think, I think they've decided. You th- well, I think they're, I, I, I think I think they're waiting decided. for the market to show itself on what it is. Yeah. And, I, I, I saw something somewhere, I think it was on ESPN, that the big domino is Aaron Judge. But Aaron yeah. Judge, to me, is not a free agent that signs quickly. No, he's probably a February guy. You know, I, 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 to me, like, like sometimes, unless the Yankees come out, and I don't know that it's going to take till February, but I don't know that Why it's not? done before January, before the holiday season, where you have a two-week dead period for the holidays. I, I, I don't... So to me, Aaron Judge being the domino makes sense, except I think it's going to take longer than that. Okay. I don't think that you're going to hit the, the the winter meetings and necessarily get a deal for Aaron Judge because I think the Yankees really want him back, but they think I think they really want him back at their price. Their payroll is so high; they yeah. have other guys coming up and the other guys that they're currently paying. Are you really going to give Judge forty million dollars a year for seven to nine years? Uh, the, Tough are, sell. You know the the Giants could be in on that, but it's I think that there's going to be a bidding war for Aaron Judge between a handful of teams, yeah. and it's just no no clear cut. Hey, this is going to happen at this time. Um, but yeah, it, it's 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 going to be interesting. I also don't think that Mike Elias operates in the sense of doing things based on what based off what another team does. I think that Michael Elias has, has a okay. good finger on the pulse of the market, and he knows what price should be able to get things done. If that person isn't willing to play for that price, then he's going to move on. Yeah, my point is more if the market shows itself to be more expensive than he originally thinks. Like, where, mm-hmm. where he is right now is, you know, he has certain numbers on certain players that he thinks they might be worth. 
But come January, those numbers might have you know severely increased. Maybe they've decreased, and the market could really change from where he thinks they are. It is now. So that's my point. I think they might wait to make those bigger signings till down the road, whether when the market really decides to show itself and what it really is. Yeah. And the other thing is, you have a lot of people around the industry, um, a lot of a lot of pundits, a lot of analysts around the industry, and then a lot of fans also saying that they don't expect the Orioles to be in on the big names. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's simply because of the fact that they haven't been in the past. Correct. The, 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 yeah. And and it, uh, really, the last big free agent signing that wasn't Chris Davis. You know what? I'm not going to say anything because that's going to give away my trivia question. Okay. Okay. So they aren't really known to go after these big free agents, but that was old old front office, old ownership. It's the same ownership yeah. family, but it's different ownership. We have no yeah. idea what liftoff looks like to Mike Elias. We have no idea. Like, I can sit here and say, oh, the Orioles aren't going to pay $30 million a year for Trey Turner. I don't know that. Why aren't they going to pay $30 million for Trey Turner? If any team can pay $30 million a year for Trey Turner, it is the Baltimore Orioles because they're only going to have like a $40 million payroll as things well, currently right. stand. So why can't you sure. be the team that pays Trey Turner? You should be more likely than every other team if it is yeah. indeed liftoff from here. So this whole, the Orioles aren't going to spend that... You don't know that. Nobody right. well, knows that. I, I, I'm not saying you. I'm using you as a generalization, course, yeah. not Zach Goodman. Yeah, I, I think that nobody knows what they're going to do. That's absolutely correct. There are free agents that you can say are a lot less likely. Like, we look at Aaron Judge and we say, you know, that's probably not going to happen. Like, there's a good 95% chance that's not happening. Not to mention it might not be the smartest thing right. for, for, for this franchise. You, you look at Jacob deGrom, I don't think that one's happening. Right. There's a lot of, even Trey Turner, uh, Carlos Correa, they're, they're doubtful. But there are a lot but of guys. Why? why uh, I, well, I, I, I get it with deGrom and with Judge. Why are Trey Turner and, uh, Trey and Carlos Correa doubtful? I, I think the Orioles are going to be a team that are, is going to offer a lot of money. I agree with that. But I do think there is a certain chance they get outbid, number one. They can always get outbid by teams like the Yankees, like the Dodgers, that are just willing to give out more in the long run. Mm-hmm. And number two, I think Trey Turner may not want to come to Baltimore. That's just one. You know, he's a right-handed hitter, a guy who would – I'm not sure his power plays that well in Camden Yards with the yeah, way the I new dimensions are. I don't I, – I, look, we saw him he, – he knows he's playing for contract. Yeah. This past year. So we saw him get a little homer happy and change the launch ankle, and he struggled yeah. at, at different points. But at the end of the year, he still hit 300. He, he scored 100 runs. He drove in 100 runs. He hit 28 home runs, had a bunch of stolen bases. I don't think that the wall scares a player like Trey Turner. Maybe not. Because all maybe he looks at the wall and he says, that's just more room for me to run. And the Orioles could absolutely be in the running for him. I'm not saying they won't be, because again, we don't know. We, right. have, we have no definitive idea of what the Orioles will be in on, because we're not in that front office and we don't see it. However, I think there are, again, are more likely options and there are less likely options. And Aaron Judge is one of the less likely ones. Yeah, but no, I agree with that. You look at a guy like Chris Bassett and you go, okay, that could be a really good fit. And they could be willing to dish out a really you know high amount of money for a guy like that. A really consistent and stable starter who's been, for the most part of his career, outside of maybe one or two years, has been really, really good and consistent. So, again, the Orioles will spend money. It's just really going to come down to who. I'm so interested to see what's going to happen. But And look, we get super excited. Right, that the, the World Series is over five days from now. The, the yeah. offseason really begins, and the Orioles can get after it. I'm sure Mike Elias had a lot of preliminary conversations at the GM meeting. Oh, sure. This yeah. past week, there's not a doubt in my mind that he maybe talked to every team. Right. Sure. Um, don't expect. I don't expect this regime to wait like Dan Duquette. And Dan Duquette, to his credit, he had to wait because he wasn't sure what kind of money ownership was going to let yeah. him spend. Sure. 
I don't think that this regime does that. I think that, that Mike Elias has full autonomy over this team. Of course, he has to go to ownership and be like, hey, can I spend this? But I think that he pretty much knows what he's allowed to spend. And I think that uh, we're not going to be waiting until February and March for, for a signing. But I also, you're not getting a signing this weekend. Like that, right. like it, it's going to take some time, and maybe the the winter meetings is where it really ramps up. That's usually where it ramps. Oh up. yeah. Um, so it's a little surprising that we haven't seen more movement. I think mm-hmm. since Thursday, um, but it's only been basically three days. Right. Right. I, I'm not surprised. I mean, I, I don't really think a lot generally happens that early. And if you look at um, even even the biggest teams, the Yankees and the Dodgers and all those teams, they've generally waited a lot longer. And you see a guy like Montero sign. That's to me, that's kind of an outlier. It doesn't happen that often. Well, so. re- and, and the guys who are signing have re-signed with their own teams. Right. Right. Correct. Diaz re-signed with the Mets. Yeah. Um, Montero re-signed yeah. with the Astros. Now, Nick Anderson was a free agent out there. He was a, a, a quality that's reliever. That's true. He signed with... Who did he sign with? Was it the Padres? I think he signed with the Padres. Yeah. Or was it the Braves? Could, oh, it could have been... Actually, it was the Braves. It was the Braves. It was the Braves. It was the Braves. Yeah. Right. Uh, he was a guy who, who pitched for the Rays. He's yeah. been hurt the last couple of seasons. Uh, that was a guy that Ryan Blake and I talked about, and we would have liked to have yeah. seen sign in Baltimore, but he signed with the Braves. So, aside from that, a lot of these guys are just yeah. re-signing with their teams. I think once you have qual- uh, qualifying offers accepted or rejected mm-hmm. on Tuesday at four by Tuesday yeah. at four o'clock, you'll see more movement on the free agent. It feels like it's been five days that they've been in free agency, but yeah. it's been it's been, it hasn't even been forty eight hours. I, and I know we're going to talk about uh, the QOs, but you already know some of those guys are immediately going to reject their QO. Oh, well, um, the, the, there's a bunch of guys, a lot of them. Uh, I, but then there's some guys. I think there's really one guy who might accept it. I think okay. that's Jock Peterson. I think he's the one guy yeah, who, that I, who, who might accept. I it. could see that. Um, but anyway, we got to get to stay on the fan online. I want to remind you, online sports betting will be starting in Maryland in the next few weeks. And PressBox is your source for the best offers and sign-up incentives. Guys, we have an incredible sign-up incentive for you here at PressBox. Starting now, you can get $300. That's $300 in pre-registration credit plus other incentives by going to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. All you have to do, you go to pressboxonline.com slash offers now and you get you, you immediately get your three hundred dollar in you through go to pressboxonline.com slash offers now to get your three hundred dollars in pre registration bonus credits. That's all you have to do. Go there, sign up, and that's again at pressboxonline.com slash offers. We are giving you three hundred dollars in pre registration credit. Just an incredible offer. Go now, pressboxonline.com slash offers. Offers joining us on the show now for his weekly segment. It's Stan the Fan Charles. Stan, good morning. How are you? Good morning, guys. How you doing, Paul? We're doing well. We're doing well. Astros they go and win the World Series in six games. Jeremy Pena, uh, kind of making people forget about Carlos Correa, World Series MVP right after winning the NLCS MVP. He's a Gold Glove winner. He had twenty homers as a, as a rookie. Big kid. I didn't realize how big he was uh, until I saw him standing at the podium. Is this guy already a superstar in your eyes, Stan? He's pretty darn close. He's, uh, you know, um, I, I'd, I'd like to see him, you know, the the test usually is the second year. You want to see a guy be able to put it up, you know, back to back to back, you know, the way Correa, you know, could. Uh, the one thing he's shown so far in one season that uh, doesn't seem to be as predisposed to injury as Correa was. Early in his career, 
Yeah, no, that, that that's true. I'm actually, I'm pretty surprised that Jeremy Pena didn't find himself on Rookie of the Year ballots um, a, a, as a finalist. You know, you got Rutschman and Julio Rodriguez agree, yeah. and Juan. Yeah. But Jeremy Pena is there winning World Series MVPs and gold gloves, hitting 20 homers, and he's not on the list. It, it was it was surprising to me, to say the least. Also surprising to me, Stan, Dusty Baker wins his first World Series to add to his 2,000-plus wins ninth all-time. They bring him back on a one-year deal. Are you surprised it was only one year? I, I get that he's 73, 74 years old, and maybe he doesn't want a five-year deal, but I was a little shocked it was only one year for a guy who kind of navigated you through those tough waters after the 2017 scandal and then wins the World Series for you? Well, the the owner of the Astros, so let's be frank, is coming off as a little bit of an ingrate. Uh, you know, Dusty Baker and James Click did an amazing job for him over the last three seasons. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, navigate navigating that team out of a uh, sort of a moral uh, malaise uh, and and putting a real good face forward on it. No questions uh, surrounding this team winning the championship this year. Sure. Uh, by the way, they just signed Rafael Montero to a three-year, $34.5 million extension. Yeah, Zach was telling me the about guy that. This is a guy who had a 6 ERA last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but Crane, uh, you know, I think he's been smitten uh, with, with sort of wanting to be uh, owner-GM to a certain extent uh, right now. Uh, he clearly had a uh, disagreement with Click over that Contreras trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wanted to trade uh, Jose Urquidy to the Cubs for uh, Wilson Contreras. Crane stepped in and nixed that deal. And since then, their relationship has been very icy. It's a very insulting uh, guy wins a World Series at his age, um, you know. And they've also fired one of his assistant general managers, Scott Powers, mm-hmm. who left a big job with the Dodgers to go uh, to Houston just about a year ago, I think. So yeah. uh, it's a, it's a to me it's a it's a bad look. Uh, it's something the fans there in Houston know they're going through euphoria of winning a World Series, so they won't question their owner but uh, it's a bad look to me yeah i saw it written somewhere that the offer for glick one year one million dollars that's like nothing yeah it's basically an invitation for him to leave because why, why on earth would he accept that and it's it makes me wonder if maybe dusty baker was kind of like i won the world series i don't really need to do this anymore and maybe ownership came to him and was like look how about we agree to a one-year deal because it's a bad look to lose our manager and our general manager right after winning a World Series. Get us through next year, and then we'll play it by ear after that. Do you think that there's any chance that that was a scenario that played out? No, not really. Uh, You know, I think Dusty was just... Dusty, at this point, he went through a very similar scenario in Washington without a World Series. Mm -hmm. You know, he came came to that contract was over, and they were willing to give him a one-year deal, and he thought he was deserving of a two- or three-year deal. And uh, they, they, you know, they reached loggerheads there. I think Dusty's just happy. He knows, as great as he is at 73 years old, there's not that many teams that are going to hire you. Sure. You know, So he's, just, he's willing. At this point, he knows he's got a team that can contend uh, for the foreseeable future, and I think he's happy just to be wanted and to go, you know, to go year to year right now. 
I guess if he wins a championship next year and really wanted a two-year deal, they'd, they'd probably relent at that point and give him a two-year deal. Yeah, but well, uh, it's clear it's clear Crane wants to uh, sort of make make this team over in his image. Uh, you know, David Stearns, uh, clearly Crane might be ha- might have an eye on him uh, down the road. So who knows what he'll end up with. I'll tell you one thing. He could do a lot worse than calling Dan Duquette, who's uh, not working in baseball right now. Yeah, so. I, I, I'd be interested to see what Dan Duquette would be able to do if he wasn't as handcuffed as it is. It would seem that he was um, when, he, when he was with No him. question about it. Well, we'll talk to Dan about that Monday night. Uh, Ross Grimsley and I have him on oh, at 6 o'clock Monday night. Yeah. Stan, while we're on the topic of the Astros, you look at that Montero deal being $35 million, and you look at the numbers he put up, and he hasn't been that good you know, over the previous year. Is that a sign that the market's going to be very rich this year, that guys are going to be paid more than you might have expected? Well, it, just like in football this year, the wide receiver position went, mm. went wacko. It looks like relief pitchers. I mean, we've got a relief pitcher in Edwin Diaz, who is the poster boy if you're going to give – first contract of uh, 20 million plus a year for a reliever he signs for that uh, Suarez got a huge deal you probably know the numbers better than I did but I think it was more like a three for 30 or a four for 45 or something like that for Roberto Suarez uh, and this guy now gets uh, you know Jesus what's What's he getting? He's got about eleven million dollars a year, right? Right, yeah, around that eleven five. Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. It's a lot for a guy who hasn't really put up that great in numbers. Yeah, I, I think that's gonna right. I think that's right. gonna be a sign about how the market's gonna work. It certainly, affect I think the, the market's gonna go nuts. It's gonna go nuts. You know, uh, I just played this little stupid fantasy baseball game. I missed Andrew Chafin. Early in the uh, on draft day, I missed him. Scott Garceau got him like late, or, or picked him up very early in the season. And I was reading about him that he had a he, he was making last year six and a half million with like a, I think like a seven million dollar option this year. He turned down the option. He's pro- he's probably going to get a contract in the in the range of Montero. And he ended up having a really solid year uh, last year. I'd love to see him on the Orioles, but I think that he's a little too rich for the Orioles' uh, interest right now. The Orioles are still—they're still adept. They've shown in uh, you know Elias that that he he can feed at the bottom of the market right now and get get some good players. You know. You, you also mentioned that the, the free agency market is, is going to go crazy. And you look at what happened with the CBA last year and how guys really couldn't sign for a large majority of that offseason and they really could only sign at mm-hmm. certain periods, where, whether it was really early or really late. Do you think that could you know, make a lot of guys want to sign early and have that job security, what they didn't really have last year? Uh, that's, that's a really excellent point. It, it, might, it might impact. I expect the market to move pretty quick this year. Okay. You know, because because of what you said, yeah. A lot of players got sort of take it or leave it deals late last yeah. year. Yeah. You know, but uh, but I'm a, I'm looking at this market for relief pitchers right now. It's it's I think it's really going to explode because you you look if all things are equal, 
that's what really won the championship for the Astros was that bullpen that was totally, you know, almost unhittable. You know, Stan, are there they had any- like six stairs, six deep in the bullpen. You know. Stan, are there any um, relievers on the market that you have your eye on? I, for me, um, kind of older guys, but Adam Otavino and uh, David Robertson had really nice bounce-back years this past year, and I, I think they could be had for lesser price than those premium relievers are going for right now. Are, are there any relievers in your eyes that would be worth the venture for the Orioles right now? Well, Chafin is somebody I really like, but I think he's moved into that. I think he, I think he accurately knows the market, and I think he's, uh, I think like a team like the Red Sox is going to pay him like ten million plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robertson, I was reading, is like an eight million dollar deal right now. There's rumors the Mets may pick him up uh, to to solidify getting to uh, uh, Diaz. Uh, I'm not a big Ottavino fan. Uh, I, I'm really not. Um, They'll, they'll add one or two pieces to the bullpen, but again, it's a numbers game, and that's not something, to me, you go chasing at the top of the market. You, To me, you, you can shop at that. That There's a lot of lot of arms out there. So yeah. uh, while I'd love to get a Chafin, that, that is one guy I'd like. I, I think they'll shop uh, at a little cheaper price point than that. Yeah, and they've shown to be fairly adept at getting good, good value out of some lesser-known players, uh, lesser-known pitchers in their bullpen. I don't expect them to be swimming in the deep waters of uh, free agent relievers. Um, was surprised that they kind of weren't swimming in the waters for Jordan Lyles. Uh, instead of picking up the $11 million option, they... Uh, buy him out for a million dollars. This is a guy who led the team in wins, led the team in innings pitched, quality starts, um, and actually had better numbers this past season than he did in 2021, which earned him that $7 million contract. Were you surprised that they don't pick, that they didn't pick up his option? And do you think there's a chance he could still be brought back, but at a lower number? That's a, that's a tricky one. I, I kind of waxed and waned on him. You know, there were times I'd watch him pitch, like, uh, I forget, what did he have? Remember he got sick? Was it just the stomach virus? That wasn't COVID, was it? No, it was the stomach Remember, virus because he came back and pitched uh, against Boston. Right, and up but like he had, runs. yeah, he had like a couple terrible outings at a key moment. And I go, well, that's it. And then all of a sudden his last two outings, I think were really good. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's to me. I like the sign this sends that they want to do better than Lyles with, with their free agent dollars, you know? Um, and I guess, I guess if he's hanging there and, and the market's playing out in such a way and they could get him for eight and he got the buyout, which makes it nine, you know, I could see them possibly revisiting a contract, but I think he'll, I actually think he'll get picked up, you know, by a, by a good team, you know, I think a good team like the Yankees, for example, say, hey, this guy would be a terrific fifth starter. You know, he's shown some durability. Um, so uh, I don't think they'll revisit with him, but it's it's possible. And so I, I'm glad that you said that you think that the Orioles are thinking they can do better. Um, so you think that them not picking up the $11 million options because they feel like they have bigger fish to fry. 
basically, and they, they, they're they going to spend more for somebody that's better rather than paying $11 million. I didn't say, I didn't say necessarily spend more right away. You right. know, if you trade for, if you use some of your surplus in the outfield, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm revisiting my thoughts on sure. Lucas Giolito. Sure. I still think he'd be a perfect guy and he probably taps in this coming season under what Lyles would have made. So I'm not saying that they're definitely going to go out and spend more money on a free agent right now, but I think they think that they can do better in, in the trade market. And that's, that's why I get to the two guys that really stand out to me are Giolito with the white Sox, And I love this kid Lazardo with the, uh, with the, uh, Marlins, Jesus Lozardo. Yeah, I think that we can agree that the Orioles are going to be active on the trade market. To I think that that's really where they acquire their starting pitching this offseason is, is more so through trade than through free agency. Of course, they've got. Yeah, another... I think they'll go ahead. I think they'll try and I think they'll try and uh, up their offensive uh, through through some some reasonable uh, options on the free agent market offensively. And see, and that's where I kind of come to a little bit of a conundrum, Stan, because I look at what's available on the free agent market. And if you're not talking about J, if you, because they're probably not going to be in on guys like Aaron Judge or, um, or Carl, they might be in on, on Carlos Gray just because they've been tied to him in the past, but chances are they're not in on a guy like Judge or Trey Turner or, or any of those big names. Yeah. Um, they're, they're not, there's no point. They're just not set up right now, in my opinion, to to shop in that market for a shortstop. They've got if they really want to put their best player at shortstop, it's Gunnar Henderson. Sure, you know, so uh, and get a cheaper third and get a cheaper third baseman um, like the guy, you know, like a Justin Turner, um, who I'm very interested in. Is Turner? I think he's the perfect guy now. Whether he'll leave the Dodgers or not, I don't know. They didn't offer him. They didn't pick him up on that $16 million option. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he was the last guy that became a free agent on Friday, I think. So Thursday or Friday. When you think about the Orioles adding to their offense, you're thinking about guys like like a Justin Turner rather than somebody that you would... I don't know how much fear he invokes in the opposition. I don't know how much longer he makes your lineup, but you're thinking of guys like that rather than somebody like an Abreu or a J.D. Martinez to put in the middle of the order. I'm not a huge Martinez fan at this point in time. Uh, I think Martinez probably makes about, I think he and Turner are in the same ballpark this year of mm-hmm. 15, 14 or $15 million. Maybe you could get to me. If I were the Orioles, I would make a, I'd make a very quick uh, attempt at signing him to a two year contract for like $25 million. That's what I would do right now, Justin Turner. Martinez' bat to me has slowed down uh, a little bit. You know, I'm I'm not as interested in him. Abreu, I would certainly be interested in Jose Abreu. Yeah, he's he's been linked to the Cubs or to go back to the White Sox. I haven't seen anybody really talking about him to the Orioles, even though I think he that would be the perfect marriage. Um, in for a brave for be that that presence in the order and a veteran the veteran leadership knows how to I agree I think he's I think he's a two-year 40 million or maybe even if it gets to be a bidding war could be a three-year 57 million or something like that but but he's he's a perfect guy 
if they could work out the dollars, uh, you know, he'd be he'd be legendary here for yeah, a couple of years. I th- I think he would be too. Now, um, Stan, with, with this offseason beginning, one of the first orders of business for the Orioles was to reinstate John Means from the sixty day IL. Um, one of the corresponding moves that they made for that, they DFA'd Yasniel Diaz. He cleared waivers, but he refused the outright to AAA. He elected free agency. He was supposed to be the centerpiece of that Manny Machado trade, and he got one major league at bat in his time uh, with the organization. Is there any reason to lament over this, or do we kind of just shrug our shoulders at this point and say, say la vie? You know, uh, that's, a, that's a good question. Uh, there's not a lot of lament because he just, you know, I think they got snookered. On, on him a little bit. The Dodgers paid him big money to sign him, but I'm telling you, the Dodgers throw money around, you know, like like crazy. Uh, and he did hit the home run or two home runs in the uh, showcase game, you know, the all-star the uh, game, game for yeah. what, the Futures game. Uh, so it looked like, boy, we really got a lot out of that deal. You know, I think the Orioles should just be fortunate that they might have they might have gotten a sneaky good pick in Dean Kramer, you know, who yeah. uh, it looks like he might be a really solid number, number three, real solid number three, maybe even potentially like a two um, out of that deal. And you just move on. You know, the, the clear mistake the Orioles made uh, was that Peter wanted to try and hold on and didn't, wasn't proactive the year before when a player like Machado still has sort of a maximum value when the team acquiring him is going to get him for a year plus a half a year. You know, right. when you only, when you're only offering two months of service, you can't get a lot of a lot back. And I think Dan did a pretty damn good job in that deal. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and I mean, Zach pop uh, came over in that deal. I believe I mean, Zach pop was, yeah. Zach pop will never know had he not needed uh, Tommy John surgery. Uh, the club, you know, I still maintain, and you and I talked about it, Paul, uh, when you, you first took over the show, Pop was a guy that I really would have protected over yeah. some of these fourth or fifth string. Like, they they, uh, they, they protected Austin wins over Zach Pop. Yeah. Really. Who would you rather have now? You know, oh, they absolutely. picked up three guys. They picked up three guys this offseason that are sort of the equivalent to Austin wins. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and actually, Stan, that that leads me uh, to the next thing. Yusni uh, uh, Diaz, he wasn't the only mi- Orioles minor leaguer to elect free agency rather than um, stick in the minors with the Orioles. DJ Stewart, Matt Harvey, Jacob Nottingham, Brett Cumberland, Lewis Head, and Alex Wells were some of the names that stuck out to me. There's like we don't know what the backup catcher is going to look like in Baltimore in 2023, and a guy like Jacob Nottingham or Brett Cumberland had an opportunity, at least right now, to maybe battle for, for that that uh, position, and they both elected free agency. Did that kind of come as a surprise to you, considering the Orioles don't have anybody currently in-house to take that role? Didn't didn't really think much about it, to be honest with you. Uh, okay. those, those guys are, uh, you know, you, you want to come out with a smart pick uh, out, out of that, I guess. Don't they, didn't they sign... Or, or work some type of deal out with Ben Boom. They did. They did. It's a split contract, okay. just like Jake Cave. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think that that sort of. I mean, they'll they'll look around and if they they see somebody, I don't think those guys, you know, Cumberland or the other catcher you mentioned, are really, you know, 
They, they, not they really want to play. decisions. Sure. No, um, no. And none of those other guys. First of all, DJ, I like DJ as a kid. He's got a little, way too much miss in his swing. Yeah. You know, um, and a, a fresh start somewhere else is probably the best thing for him. Sure. You know, maybe Matt, with a team like the Pirates or something like that. For me, Matt Harvey, um, I guess it's not really much of a head-scratcher given, given where his age is and his past successes. Um, but you look at how he's been in decline. You look at the fact that he's got all that baggage from the Tyler Skaggs ordeal. And the Orioles were the team that was willing to give him another opportunity, even though he didn't make it back to the Major League roster because they didn't really need him to. Um, I, I, it, I'm a little surprised, I guess, that he wasn't willing to give it another shot here. Or do you think maybe the writing's just on the wall for him, and do you really expect another team to take a, to take a chance on him? Um, you know, if I were Matt Harvey, I'd be shopping in Korea or Japan right now. Yeah, that makes a lot of I sense. That makes yeah. a lot of sense. I mean, he's still, he's still young enough that if something he were able to tap into something, that, that there'd be an upside if he went to Japan for two years and really put up big numbers, he might get one more two-year major league contract. But he's he's only going to be able to get like a minor league deal to come to camp. And then it's, you know, he's just a piece of meat at that point in time. Yeah. I, I, I never think about the, the Japanese or Korean baseball leagues when it comes to these guys, but that actually makes a per, it makes perfect sense for a guy like Matt Harvey to go pitch over there. And he's, a li- he's, a, he's a little old, but, but the fact he's, you know, he's he's got a little bit of name to him mm-hmm. that that some owner in Japan would probably give him about a you know four million dollars for yeah. a year to to try out there. You He'd know. make more money there than he's going to make in the majors for sure. I, uh, I, I no question about it. And no finally, question. Stan, uh, MLB trade rumors—they put out their top fifty free agents and their predictions for their contract and where they're going to go. Um, the Orioles, yep. despite. It, being rumored that they're going to be spending this offseason. They were only linked to four of the top 50, and that's uh, Jamison Tyon at number 14. They were uh, four years, $56 million, this projected contract. Taiwan Walker at number 16, four years, $52 million. Sean Mania at number 17, four years, $52 million. And J.D. Martinez, two years, $30 million. We already know your stance on J.D. Martinez, but pitchers like Tyon, uh, Taiwan Walker, and Sean Mania, what are your thoughts on those guys at those numbers? Um, they, they, Tyon's an, an interesting guy because, you know, the pedigree of being a former number one, you know, mm-hmm. number one pick of the pirates and all that, 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 that's probably about the right price point for him. I used to love, uh, Sean Manaya. Uh, in fact, I, I made one of the worst trades I ever did in fantasy baseball. I so wanted him that I traded Bo Bichette for him and Willie Castro mm. and watch my season go down the tubes. One thing to keep in mind about Sean Manea, uh, and I made the mistake one day of letting him pitch at Fenway Park. And remember, the Orioles, while won't be playing them 18 times, they'll still play them 12 times, I think. 14. Uh, so that means 14. Yeah. That means a couple trips to Fenway Park. Sean Manea, in four starts at Fenway Park, has an earn run average of 15.70. In in 14 innings pitched, he allowed 39 hits, two walks, struck out just 11, 
gave up six home runs in 14 and third inning, and his whip was 2.86 at Fenway Park over mm. these last few years. Now, at Yankee Stadium, he's pitched three games, 17 innings pitched, um, with 14 batters allowed, so he's got a whip of about 08, 085, 24 strikeouts, and a 104 ERA, no home runs in 17 innings at Yankee Stadium. Wow. He's just wildly too inconsistent for me to put that much money into him. If you could sign him on a one-year, $10 million contract, I'd do it in a minute. But uh, somebody will pay Manea uh, more than that. I don't think he'll get a four-year 50. I think he's liable to get a two-year 20 or something like that. And that might might be a tad rich for the Orioles' blood. Tayon Walker has had a really nice comeback over the last couple seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'd be he'd be a solid addition, you know. I agree. I agree. Now that that would be kind of swimming in the um, mid rotation starter water, waters yeah. rather than the you know ace. you know what you're doing though you're you're swimming in the mid rotation but you're also again you know I have an awful lot of faith in Chris Hart. I don't think he walks on water. But I think there's a bump you might be able to get if you bring a Manea or a Tyon in to pitch in this ballpark as it's presently constituted now uh, and working with Chris Holt and the analytics people of the sure. Orioles. That's got to be for a mid-range guy. That's got to be an attractive kind of, uh, you know, perfecta there, uh, you know, where you're, you're, you've got three things going on a confluence of things, pitching coach, ballpark, uptick in the, in the, uh, you know, uh, the interest in the team and all that. So, uh, Baltimore would be an attractive place for a pitcher in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think so. And do you think, and, and quickly, do you think that the Orioles are more likely to target left-handed pitching because it would force teams to bat more right-handed guys and that wall and left field would be more, even more so come into play? Yeah. I mean that's why I'd be interested in Manaya because he's left-handed. Sure. But I, but I I I hold Jesus Lazardo and the ability to get him in a higher probability than Manaya at yeah. this point. Well, off the off season's just begun. We're going to see what they're going to do. It's gonna, got a lot of stuff to to do. Yeah, it's going to be wild. It's going to be wild. And we I'll are looking you. forward to it. Stan, we know you got Dan Duquette right. coming up on um on Monday. What else you got for us this coming week? Wednesday afternoon at 4 o'clock, we've got uh, one of the main executives of uh, Live Casino Hotel, uh, uh, Joe Weinberg, with us to talk about the casino, uh, Live Casino and FanDuel over there, what they're doing with their sports book and getting ready for it to go online over the next couple weeks. And then on Thursday at 7 o'clock, the executive director of the Maryland Lottery and Sports Gaming, uh, uh, John Martin, will join us. So, busy week of shows this week. It sounds like it's saying we will talk to you next week. Hopefully, we'll be talking about some moves that the Orioles have made. Until then, we'll talk All to you righty. soon. Alrighty. Talk to you. Go Justin Turner. Yes, Bye. See ya. That was uh, Stan the Fan, Charles. It was two great shows for you every week. Every Monday night, Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley visit with a different guest from the world of sports. And every Thursday night, Stan and Gary Stein chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. And I'm sorry, 
with the world of baseball for uh, Stan and Ross Grimsley. This week, Stan and Ross were joined by former Orioles uh, manager Dave Tremblay, and Stan also caught up with Baltimore Sports Collectibles Danny Black. You can find these shows under the videos tab at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or at pressboxonline.com slash video. Stan and Ross are back on Monday with another great show where we'll have former Orioles Executive Vice President Dan Duquette on the show. So stay tuned for that and more from Stan the Fan. Charles, Zach... I think that because so Zach was un, uh, unsure about whether or not he wanted to do his sounding off segment today because it was on James Glick. Why do I keep calling him Glick? Like Jiminy, <laughs> like Jiminy Glick from like the early yeah. 2000s. On James Glick. Um, why don't we push? It's fine. Um, sounding I'll off. I'll put that. Why don't we... we men, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Why don't we combine it with final thoughts? And I can just okay. make that my final thought. Okay, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll do that because we are running up. We always seem to run long with Stan. We're running up no a, little, a little short on time here. Um, so what we're going to do is we are going to catch our first break. Uh, today's show brought to you by the Toyota Tacoma, which comes in a range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. So check out buyatoyota.com for deals now on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. When we come back in from baltimorebaseball.com, Rich Dubrov joins the program to talk the Orioles offseason. That and more next on The Bataround. Glory Days Grill's Oktoberfest menu is now running. It's one of their most popular seasonal menus all year. It features the chicken schnitzel, the Oktoberfest brewer's platter, the brewer's sausage sandwich, the Bavarian burger with a pretzel bun, the cheddar ale soup, the slam dunk pretzels, and the apple cobbler. All of these meals pair well with Oktoberfest beers and Angry Orchard on draft. Dine in or order online at glorydaysgrill.com and pick up your favorites to take home. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. What's up, everyone? This is Tyus Bowser, and I'm excited to tell you that I'm back for Season 2 of the Tyus Bowser Show in partnership with Pressbox and Great Ace Memorabilia. Join us on Tuesday nights throughout the season as I'll be heading all over town with my special guests. And, of course, our co-hosts, Glenn and Rita. What is it, Rita and Glenn? What is it? I look forward to meeting you guys and talking a little bit about football and a lot about life. And if you happen to miss the show, you can now catch a replay Friday nights on 1057 The Fan. Get all of your details for the Tyus Bowser Show right now at PressBoxOnline.com slash Bowser. The next Tyus Bowser Show is Tuesday, November 15th at Mother's North Grill in Timonium. It's brought to you by Maryland Vascular Specialists and the all-new Ginsu Kamado Grill. That first sip. That first bite. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. The Baltimore County 
Police Department is hiring. Entry-level officers start at close to $59,000 a year with a $10,000 bonus. Some restrictions apply. Plus a great retirement plan, medical, dental, and vision insurance, advancement to specialized units, tuition reimbursement, 15 sick days earned per calendar year, and even further incentives for military members and veterans. If you have a passion for service and want a career for life, visit JoinBaltimoreCountyPD.com or call 410-887-5542. You must be a United States citizen, possess a valid driver's license, and have a high school diploma or GED equivalent. The Baltimore County Police Department is an equal opportunity employer. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever is on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point Boulevard. Experience the best in Kamado Grilling, a complete outdoor cooking appliance. The Ginsu Kamado Grill allows anyone to sear, grill, bake, and smoke all types of food. Designed for efficiency and function, the Ginsu Kamado Grill upholds the enduring legacy of the iconic Ginsu brand. The Ginsu Kamado Grill is perfect to cook all year round, is great for parties, and ideal for tailgating with your friends. Reserve your Ginsu Kamado Grill today at ginsugrills.com and get $100 off on your pre-order when you use the promo code tailgate that's ginsugrills.com reserve yours today welcome back into the bat around coming to you live from our Towson studios on a Saturday morning in November in just a moment we're going to have from baltimorebaseball.com Rich Dubroff back on the show but first I want to remind you that the next Tyus Bowser show is Tuesday, November 15th at Mother's North Grill in Timonium. Tyus and a special guest will join Rita and Glenn. Uh, this is worded so weirdly. Tyus and a special guest will join Rita and Glenn for the Tyus Bowser show at Mother's North Grill in Timonium. This is your opportunity to meet Baltimore football stars while getting the inside scoop on the purple and black. The Tyus Bowser show is a partnership of Press Box and Great H Memorabilia, and it's brought to you by Maryland Vascular Specialist and the all-new Ginsu Grill. Find out more at PressBoxOnline.com slash Bowser. And if you happen to miss the Tyus Bowser Show, don't worry. You can check it out Friday nights throughout the season on 105.7 The Fan. Joining us now from BaltimoreBaseball.com, he is Rich Dubroff. Rich, good morning. Thanks for taking some time for us today. Hey, good morning. <clears throat> good morning, Paul. Glad to have you back on the show. And uh, Rich, the offseason has begun. Orioles taking care of some off, some uh, in-house things to start their offseason. John Means reinstated from the 60-day IL. Have you heard anything about Means' progress? I know he started playing catch not that long ago. Any updates on him? No, he, uh, you know, he said, uh, you know, they, they won't really get uh, get going until, uh, you know, probably after the first, after the first of the year. Gotcha. So this is a long term. This is a long term thing. Uh, they were happy with. You know, he was happy with how it was healing. Uh, uh, but you know, to guess on you know when he'll return is uh, really quite foolish. Right God, now we, we we don't. You know, we don't know. Yeah, I'm not expecting him before June at the earliest. In in my that, opinion, that sounds that's that sounds about right. Um, I guess. 
Now, another pitcher who I was expecting to be here this year, and he's not going to be, is Jordan Lyles. So the Orioles balled out his contract at $1 million instead of picking up the $11 million option. Led the team in innings pitch, quality starts, wins. Uh, for you, Rich, was this a surprising move, or was it kind of the writing on the wall for you uh, at the end of the year? No, well, I, I you know, I wasn't sure. Um, I, I went, you know, I was going, I was going both ways at times, but I thought they would not, I thought that they would not pick it up. Um, just because I thought that they would try and use the money elsewhere. Though, I mean, I would have mm-hmm. because I thought that he was, you know, good enough to, you know, have around with all the question marks around the rotation. So this just puts more pressure on them to try and, uh, you know, to try and find, uh, you know, veteran starters to augment what they, uh, you know, what they have now, which is a lot. I mean, what they have now is, is actually quite a lot, mm-hmm. uh, but we just don't, but there's just a lot of question marks about it. I mean, they're already, you know, you know, eight or nine candidates sure. uh, for the, uh, you know, for the starting rotation. So, um, and, and that's good, but I think they just need, you know, probably two, more guys who, uh, you know, who, you know, are accomplished veteran major league starters who they don't really have to worry about innings. I mean, that's sort of uh, the problem they face with, uh, you know, with some of the younger pitchers. Now, is this, um, are these pitchers, do you expect them to come more so through free agency or more so via trade? Um, Or is it just whatever works out best for the Orioles? What's your opinion on that? Yeah, I'm thinking... Um, you know, I, I have no idea, you know, cause everybody keeps asking and I don't know what they're going, you know, I don't know what they're going to do because they haven't, you know, they haven't telegraphed it. I mean, they're mm-hmm. open to, you know, they're open to anything. Um, but I, you know, I think, I guess more free, I guess more free agency, mm-hmm. um, because if they're gonna, you know, if they're going to trade, they'd have to trade, you know, trade a pro, you know, trade some prospects, but they'd want somebody who's pretty good. Yeah. You know, I mean, you'd want somebody who could give you at least, you know, uh, who at least has, you know, a couple of years before free agency, you know, you don't want to trade for somebody who's, you know, going to be a one year rental. I mean, there right. are times to do that, but this is, you know, you don't do that in November or December of, of the not. year, you know, of the, uh, of the year before. So, I'm just really intrigued by, you know, what they're what they're going to do because I, you know, I I can only guess. Well, and and Rich, I'm glad that you said that because it's okay that you don't know because nobody knows because we've never seen a Mike Elias led team in Baltimore uh, with the with John Angelos as the main uh, figurehead in, in ownership. We've never seen that regime well, I th- in this. I don't think John Angelos. I don't think John Angelos is a figurehead. John Angelos is not a figurehead. I I, I, I use the the wrong terminology. I, I I that's not what I meant. But I meant like John John Angelos is the guy who's running the show uh, for for ownership. It's the same family owning the team, but it's essentially different ownership because it's John Angelos and not Peter Angelos basically right. running running the show right now. And that's that's what I meant. I used the wrong terminology. So my my apologies there. Um, but we've never seen Mike Elias and John Angelos with the team ready to compete go into an off season. So we have no idea what they're going to do. And Mike Elias, right. he, he, he said it's lift off from here. And that's been the popular phrase is it's lift off from here. And then he goes into but the that GM. Doesn't mean, 
but but you can interpret that a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. That's sort of that means you know to me that means the team is ready to go now. Sure. That doesn't mean we're gonna sp- that doesn't mean we're gonna spend twenty two hundred million or three hundred million dollars on free agent contracts. Sure. You know it could. But and, but I think that that just means oh the team has what it needs you know to to contend and and needs you know help plugging those holes you know plugging those holes that we know about right. so I, I I I I think that that's what that means and and people interpret that as being oh well you know they're going to go you know wild and and spend and he has said well they they have you know. He said he has more money to spend now, mm-hmm. uh, or they're going to spend more money now than they have in the past. And I just, when people ask me, I just say that I think that they are going to spend more money than they have in the past, but not as much, but not so much that people, uh, you know, as maybe the wildest fans want them to, sure. you know, you know, going after all those top shelf free agents. I don't, you know, it, maybe they do. I, I don't think that happens, but um, we'll see. Yeah, and look, he, and he didn't back off from his comments at, at the GM meetings. He, In an interview with John Morosi, he said, we're going to get started with addressing our major league needs ASAP, and I expect a very active offseason for us. It's going to be different than the rebuilding kind of offseasons that I've had since I've been here. So with that in mind, you expect that he's going to go out and he's going to do some te- some things to try and make this team better. But you're absolutely right, Rich. Him spending saying him spending more money than they have in the past. I mean, their biggest free agent acquisition was Jordan Lyles at one year, seven million, right? So it's not going to be hard to spend a little bit more than that. But shouldn't expect Aaron Judge to be walking through the doors of the warehouse anytime soon. However, is Mike Elias kind of setting himself up for failure with the fan base if he doesn't make some big moves based off of his comments? Um, you know, Mike Elias, you know for the most part during the time he's been here, has been a popular target of fans. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's judge. If the, if the team wins, they think he's doing great. If the team doesn't win, they don't think he's doing great. Um, and so I, I think that he'll, yes, I, but I think that if they don't spend wildly, um, they'll, you know, then, or aggressively, then I think that people will be, you know, disappointed. I think, I think in some ways, yeah, he was setting himself up for, for, for that, but he doesn't want to, you know, but maybe they have a plan. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, if there is, you know, if one of these top shelf free agents is irresistible and maybe their market isn't quite as great. It was, I mean, Correa's market wasn't as great. Um, And of course, last year was the aberration the aberrational kind of um, um, of off season, but if one of those free agents you know, doesn't have the market that they expect, then maybe they swoop. You know, maybe they swoop in. But you know, I mean, I know you read, you know, MLB trade rumors, and and you saw. I guess I don't know if you saw their fifty, their list of their fifty um, top top free agents, and they guess. You know, they mm-hmm. guess yeah. that those contracts, which you know, aren't bad guess aren't bad guesses, but I mean, you really think the Orioles are going to, you know, are going to spend 200 or $3 million, $300 million on a, you know, a top shelf free agent. I have no idea. I, I'd be inclined to think no, but that's also because of what I've known from the Orioles over the, over my 
30 plus years of being on this planet. I have no idea what they're going to do. I don't think it's somebody like Aaron Judge or Trey Turner, but I mean, it, it could be, I guess. Uh, look, look they, they were only linked to four guys in that entire fifty uh, top 50 free agent list by tr- MLB trade rumors, and three of them were pitchers, and the other one was J.D. Martinez, who is uh, you know a guy who's getting up there in age but can still swing the bat a little bit. I, those aren't the, the guys they were linked to aren't huge moves by any stretch. Yeah, but, you know, it, it, what's interesting, though, I'm trying to remember again, because I looked, I remember I, I wrote something this week about um, what Jim Bowden wrote in The Athletic mm-hmm. about his top 25 free agents, he, and he linked like seven of them. Yeah, I saw that with one, With the too. Orioles. And John Heyman, John Heyman had his top 30, and he, he linked none of them um, with the Orioles, and those, and those lists were, you know, similar. So John Heyman thinks everybody's uh, going to the Yankees, that's why. Well, but it seems to, a lot of a lot of free agents too, um, but you know, there's always uh, there are a lot of there are a lot of interesting things here, and one of them is, you know, Mike Elias has a um, you know has a very very sweet soft spot for draft picks, mm-hmm. and it's going to be very interesting to see if he would part with one of those draft picks. The sign, you know, Nathan, you know, Nathan Evalde or Chris Bassett, who I, who ordinarily I would think might would be the kind of players that they would be targeting. You know, I, I mean, I think that, you know, there, there's some other, you know, pitchers out there um, like Michael Waka. Sure. Um, that's some, that's somebody who I think is an interesting name that, that that's sort of realistic for them. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he had a good year. You know. Yeah, good year. He pitched great against, you know, he pitched great against them. Um, you know, the, the games I saw, you know, the games I saw him. And that's the kind of player I think is more realistic where, yeah, that's, they'd be spending more money than they spent on Jordan Lyles, but they're not going out and spending Jacob DeGrom money or Justin Verlander mm-hmm. kind of money. So I think that's sort of being realistic, but you know, but I, I would think that Bassett and Eovalde would be guys who would be, you know, intrigue the Orioles. But, you know, I'm going to see if, uh, you know, if Elias is um, intrigued enough to, to want to risk, which would which would want to risk it. It's actually his third draft, the Orioles' third draft pick. Um, mm-hmm. would be in, the, I think, the competitive balance round. So... He loves, you know, and he loves accumulating draft picks. So exactly. That would be that. That's going to be that's going to be interesting. And so, do you think that the Orioles, you know, given the fact that they um, they moved that big wall back uh, in in left field, do they target more? They did. What uh, happened? Oh, you were, you didn't know they moved it back like thirty feet and raised it like twelve feet. I, I, I'm surprised you know about this. Oh, I, I know there were some people. Uh, there were some people. Yes, some people who seem to mention that a lot. Yeah. Well. Um, it's going to have a huge impact on what they do in, I think, in free agency and adding to this ball club. Do you think it means that now they're going to be targeting more left-handed pitchers to keep uh, opposing teams batting a more right-handed heavy lineup? And in turn, I'm assuming they're going to go after more left-handed bats. You look at their some of their top prospects; a lot of left-handed bats in there, and you know it's a shorter porch in right field. Are they going for these lefty um, free agents on the market? Well, you you know you might you know you might. Um... But I think that, um, you know, I think that uh, 
you know, I, I got to, I mean, I, I was trying to look and, and see. I don't know that there are a lot of great left-handed starters out there, are there? Not really. I mean, Sean Mania might be the best one that you could really kind of go after at this point. Yeah, I, I, I'd have to look further, but maybe something in a trade. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, because most of them seem to be, you know, most of them seem to be right-handed. But, I mean, I think that you're making a good point because it's normal. It's normal for teams to, to sort of, tailor their lineups, you know, around the ball, you know, around the ballpark they have. And, uh, you know, Rutschman is a much better hit. So you switch it, much better hitter left-handed, much better. Uh, Gunnar Henderson's, you know, a left, you know, a left-handed hitter, mm-hmm. Kyle Stowers. So that would, that's, you know, those are all intriguing. You know, those are all intriguing and they still have Mullins. You know, they still have Mullins. But, you know, you don't want to. Yeah, but you don't want to have, you don't want to go over, you know, you don't want to go overboard because look, look when, uh, you know, when the Red Sox threw Rich Hill at them. Yeah. Um, you know, when you get a good left, you know, you don't, you don't want to go crazy over it. You don't want to get seven left, you know, you don't want to get set next necessarily seven left-handed hitters. Oh, um, who, who can't hit, you know, who can't hit against lefties. Right. And, and, and so, to be uh, fair, I, I think that they would probably, if they do go after a left-handed guy, it would be somebody who has pretty even splits or can at least hit lefties to a, to a better degree than what we've seen um, from a guy like Cedric Mullins just this past year long. Because he hit like 277 against lefties in 2021. Um, I, I ultimately, Rich, But he I mean, hit very poorly. He hit very poorly against lefties in 2022. Yeah, he hit like 200 against him in 2022. Yeah, a little, so. over to, a little bit. But, I mean, the J.D. Martinez thing that you mentioned is, you know, I hadn't thought of, I actually hadn't thought of him, but he's not, uh, you know, that's not a uh, crazy, crazy idea. And, and that, that's a guy who still has gap-to-gap power, still has a ton of double potential, and a lot of his home runs go to the opposite field, so it's almost like signing a left-handed bat with J.D. Martinez. Um, yeah. So the Orioles do have a little bit of a roster crunch, Rich, when it comes to their infield. You have Ramon Arias. He wins a gold glove at third base. You have Jorge Mateo won the Fielding Bible Award for baseball's best defensive shortstop. Gunnar Henderson, for all intents and purposes, is going to play on the left side of the infield. I think we can all agree on that. And you have Jordan Westberg, who has a shot to be your opening day second baseman, who won minor league player of the year uh, for the organization. You have a ton of guys for not a ton of positions and a ton of prospects that, that could come up and take over some spots. What do the Orioles do? Is is Arias even guaranteed? I'm not guaranteed. That's not the right word. But is, does Arias even have a job if he's on this roster come spring training? Because I, I don't know where he's going to play. Well, so, you know, they're going to need super UT. You know, they're going to need, you know, guys who can play a lot of positions. And one mm-hmm. thing he can do is play, you know, he obviously can play third and he plays second and, you know, he, he's played short, you know, he's played short Sure. and having somebody who is a super utility player, uh, would be, uh, you know, would be a re- you know, it's a really good thing to have. Yeah. And especially a guy who's been, a ve- especially a guy who's been a veteran because, you know, you're only going to have four bench players. Right. One of them's going to be a catcher. And one of them's probably going to be Ryan McKenna. One of them's probably going to be Ryan McKenna. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then if you have a super, you know, a super utility guy or may, or, and then another outfielder who can play, you know, all the outfield positions. Right. So, uh, you know, it, it's, it's going to be hard to make, you know, it's going to be real hard to make this club now. All yeah. of a sudden, 
uh, all of a sudden they've gotten, you know, a lot of, ta- you know, they've gotten a lot of talent. And as you, you know, allude to, there's, uh, there, you know, there's more on the way with, uh, you know, uh, with Westberg and, and Joey Ortiz. Right. And Connor Norby, for that matter. Now, um, yeah. And Kobe and, and, and maybe, and maybe Kobe Mayo. Exactly. Although I think he eventually ends up as a first baseman, although he has such right. a good arm, such a good arm. But I, I would imagine he ends up as a first baseman. So then, Rich, I, I, I ask you, is Mateo, we know he was the best defensive shortstop in baseball. He was a huge snub for the gold, for the gold glove, um, not even being a finalist. Led the American League in stolen bases. He's, he's an electric player. But Rich, he hit 221 with a 267 on base percentage. Now, Mike Elias said during the season that Mateo is going to be here in Baltimore for a long time. I don't. I mean, you're not going to say anything different about a, your starting shortstop. But is, is is this a guy who you really can expect to be your starting shortstop on uh, opening day when you're playing in the American League East and you're now a team that should be competitive and in contention? Yeah, well, you know, I think that um, he, uh, you know, I, I think Mateo is going to be on the club. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, they could certainly trade. They could certainly trade him. Sure. Uh, but he's, uh, you know, uh, but, you know, he, if you look at his war, it's really high. Right. It, it <laughs> I is. I mean, he, you know, the, def- the defense is great. You know, the defense is great. You know, the offense was, la- you know, was lagging. But I think that, you know, you can have eight good, you know, possibly, let's say, eight decent, uh, good to decent um, players, you know, offensive players, and then maybe one, uh, one, uh, one maybe, uh, you know, defensive guy who's not, uh, not as great yeah. offensively. So. Yeah, if you have a bunch of guys that hit 270 with 20 homers in your life, you can you can afford to have. And, and if that player is Jorge Mateo, who, like I said, he's an electric player. He's the, the speed, the defense. He's an exciting player. And what he did in July and August, I mean, this is his first real full season as an everyday player. What he did in July and August might be what he does in August and September next year. Now that he's gotten used to playing that many games and that many innings, so I do think he's got a spot on the team. I'm not sure if it's more so as a utility guy or as the everyday player. We'll see how the off season plays out. Before we let well, you... it's probably not. You're probably not going to be able to have. Um, you're probably not going to be able to have two utility guys. Right. You know, be in, of like you know, you're you know, if Urias is a utility guy, you probably can't have Mateo as mm-hmm. a utility guy. Yeah, I I, I, I wouldn't so, be surprised to see any of these guys aside from Gunner be traded this offseason. I, I, no. I, like I said, it's such a roster crunch. There's not enough space for all of them. And Arias and Mateo are gold golf caliber defenders. They're going to want to play every day. So we're going to see how this plays out. That's why this offseason is so interesting. That, amongst other things, Rich, is problems like this, which are certainly good problems to have. Uh, before we let you go, Rich, uh, Yusniel Diaz was designated for assignment. He cleared waivers. They outright him to Norfolk. He refused the assignment, and he elected free agency. He was supposed to be the centerpiece of the Manny Machado trade back in 2018. Well, he was. Well, yes, he, 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 he was. He, he was. He was the most coveted. He was the player that you know. He was the player that most people knew about. Right. And the player that was talked about at the time. Right. And and now you look back on it, and maybe the best player they got out of that deal is Dean Kramer. Diaz not maybe. It is. was not. It's not maybe. He was the best player they got. 
Yeah, yeah. To this point, he he certainly was. You're right. He certainly was the best player that they got. And now you have Yasniel Diaz, one major league bat for the Orioles in his all his time in the organization. Is this kind of like a a what could have been, or more like a say la vie? It is what it is type of situation. Should people be lamenting this, or is it just it is what it is? You you never know what you're going to get with prospects. Yeah. You never know what you're going to get with draft. You know, you never know what you're going to get with draft choices. I mean, people can say, oh, well, you know, they waited too long to deal Machado. And, you know, we've heard that for, you know, five years now. Uh, and uh, say, oh, they could have gotten a better deal. But they got Dean Kramer, you know, they got Dean Kramer. And to get, uh, you know, and he did well uh, last year. And if he does well again in 2023, then, you know, for a few months of Machado, who was going to walk anyway, I mean, it turns out not to be a horrible deal. It's just that, um, it's just that the players were sort of overhyped yeah. when they, uh, you know, when, when they got there, I mean, you look at, you know, you look at deals and, you know, look at the one when the Orioles traded, um, Dylan Bundy, they got four players from the angels. One of them is Kyle Bradish. Mm-hmm. And that looks like a, so far, Right now, it looks like a really good deal. Yep. Now, one of those players, Isaac Matson's already out of the organization. Um, you know, he, he got some major league time. Wasn't good. Zach Peek and Kyle Bernovich, the other two pitchers, had Tommy John surgery. So, you, don't, you, don't, you know, we don't know how these things are going to, you know, how they're going to turn out. That's why you do them in volume. The good thing is Elias did it in volume. Yeah. You know, so, oh, well, you know, uh, Jemai Jones for uh, Jemai Jones for Alex Cobb didn't work out so well. Yeah, it, you know, so you say, oh, that didn't work out so well, but you know, some of these others did. Yeah. I mean, people made fun of the the guys that he got for Andrew Kashner, uh, uh, Prado and Romero, and Noel Beth, and Elio Prado and Noel Beth Romero. Well, those guys were you know teenagers when when they made the trade. Kashner pitched poorly for the Red Sox and has been out of baseball, you know, since then. And these guys are climbing the ladder, although, you know, very slowly. Yeah. So, but they, they made so many of these trades and, and none of them seem to have come back and bitten them. Oh, and you, you know, you mentioned I mean, the angels trades. You got Gene Pinto for, uh, for what for basically two months that you got out of Jose Iglesias and Gene Pinto looks like he might be a legitimate pitcher, pitching prospect right. in the organization, you know. And you mentioned the the trade with Dylan Bundy and yeah, Kyle Bradish is is the best is a clear winner. I think I'd rather have him at this point than Dylan Bundy. But Isaac Matson was the guy who was supposed to get to the big leagues and be and, and be something. Of, of all those guys, he was the one that you expected to be something. Like you said, he's already out of the organization. So you're absolutely right, Rich. That the prospects they're exactly that they're prospects. And, and that's why I think that if in free agency, if you can sign a player that's already good, you don't not sign somebody because you have a prospect that might be, is I guess my overall point. Unless they, you think that they're, unless you really think that they're, you know, they're that good. And it right. looks, it looks like Michael Elias has done a really good job at drafting. I think you know, I mean, when I, when you look at, you know, when you look at what he's, dra- you know, what he's drafted, um, that part of the equation, I don't think could have gone much better. 
Yeah, it's been. I mean, his first two draft picks have each been number one overall prospects in baseball. I, I think that that's huge. It's been a huge, a wild success for Michael Elias since taking over the Orioles, and we'll see what this offseason uh, does to add to that resume. Uh, Rich, before I let you go, what do you have coming up for BaltimoreBaseball.com? Well, uh, you know, we're we're uh, you know we're, we're writing uh, at least five days, you know, five days a week on the weekends if there's news. So mm-hmm. I'm actually not writing. You know, this weekend, look at we're going to take some uh, do our mailbag on Monday, and then we're going to have a lot. We had a busy week this week with all the you know with all the moves, and uh, we'll have uh, lots of moves, <clears throat> lots of news next week. I mean, we're having the Rookie of the Year voting on Monday, uh, Manager of the Year voting on Tuesday, and then it, it's the uh, no, it's the deadline to add uh, prospects to the forty man roster on. Tuesday and on Friday, it's the uh, deadline to offer contracts. So that's uh, those, those are uh, all uh, you know, all big stories that uh, we're going to be covering, as well as whatever pops up. Yeah, a lot, a lot of activity coming up for sure. Real quick, um, because I totally forgot to ask you about manager of the year and rookie of the year. It's the guys who sure. I thought for manager of the year. It's it's going to be Brandon Hyde. It's going to be Terry Francona and Scott Service. Do you think that Hyde has a legitimate shot, or, or, or I, I'm thinking it's probably Scott Service, or uh, honestly, I think it's either the other one of the other two, other other than him. Yeah, I act. I would have voted for you know I would have voted for Hyde had I mm. had a vote um, this year. I think it's going to be very close between Hyde and Francona. It's funny. I had a vote last year, and I voted for Sir. You know, and I voted for um, for Service, mm-hmm. and Kevin Cash won. Uh, so. Uh, but I think that, uh, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's 50, 50. I really, I mean, Francona has got a lot of supporters, but, um, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not sure. I'll, 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 I'll go hometown and say Brandon will win. Yeah. I, I'm not sure that there, there was a better turnaround in all of baseball. There wasn't, there wasn't a better turnaround in all of baseball than what the Orioles did. So Brandon Hyde would have to have the inside track, but uh, that's, I mean, you would have thought that Jorge Mateo would have been a finalist for the Gold Glove, and he was not. So, and then fu- real quick with the uh, Rookie of the Year, it's Adley Rutschman, uh, it's um, Julio Rodriguez, and is it Stephen Kwan? It's Stephen Kwan it is. is is the other one. I think that it's been Julio Rodriguez's a, a, award to lose basically since the show we put on in the Home Run Derby. Uh, we expect. Would you expect Adley Rutschman to finish second and then get that extra or get that uh, year taken off before he gets to arbitration? Well, I was a voter, so okay. I can't talk about it. Fair enough. Yeah, uh, you can you can you can you can ask me about it on Monday night when my vote <laughs> after my vote is revealed. Okay, I can uh, I can talk about it. Understood, Rich. Thank you so much for taking time with us. Always a pleasure when our paths cross. Let's talk again soon. All right. Okay, my pleasure. Thank you, Paul. You're welcome. Take care. That was Rich Dubroff from BaltimoreBaseball.com. Kind enough to join us on a Saturday during the offseason. And I, I know that I, I heard Rich on um, the Bruce Cunningham show last week, and he said that he won't be doing, he won't be writing on the weekends anymore. He's just going to be a Monday through Friday type of thing. So. It's hard to it's hard to write on the weekends when you have limited news. Right. Sure. Well, well I, I think that, yeah, yeah, basically. So just, just in the offseason, he won't be writing on the weekends. So unless, like he says, unless there's a, a breaking story. Sure. Right. 
Um, so for him to take time on a Saturday to talk to us is certainly um, very gracious of him, and I am greatly appreciative of it. we got to catch our second break. I want to remind you that today's show is brought to you by Toys for Tots. Baltimore-area Chick-fil-A restaurants invite you to support Toys for Tots today, Saturday, November 12th. Donate a new toy at any of their 11 Stuff the Truck locations and receive a free sandwich offer card as a thank you. Zach, you're a poor college student. Go donate a, a Tommy Hilfiger hoodie and get yourself a free sandwich offer card from Chick-fil-A. For more info, visit PressBoxOnline.com slash ToyDrive. When we come back in, the Bet Around and Orioles banter. Have you been to Guilford Hall Brewery? Located in Baltimore's Station North neighborhood, Guilford Hall Brewery breaks the craft brew mold with their great handcrafted microbrews and amazing Bavarian-style food selections. Join Guilford Hall seven days a week for Orioles, Ravens, and all of your favorite college games. Make plans now to watch the big games, play trivia, or bring your dog for yappy hour. They even have free valet service on Friday and Saturday nights. Go to guilfordhall.com for a complete schedule of events, beer listings, and food and drink specials, we'll see you at Guilford Hall Brewery. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models, a RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Receive a free Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich offer card as a thank you when you donate to Toys for Tots on Saturday, November 12th at any of the 13 Baltimore-area Chick-fil-A Stuff the Truck event sites. Be one of the first 50 people to donate, and you will also get a free T-shirt. For a location list and more information, visit PressBoxOnline.com slash ToyDrive. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever is on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point. Boulevard. The Baltimore County Police Department is hiring. Entry-level officers start at close to $59,000 a year with a $10,000 bonus. Some restrictions apply. Plus a great retirement plan, medical, dental, and vision insurance, advancement to specialized units, tuition reimbursement, 15 sick days earned per calendar year, and even further incentives for military members and veterans. If you have a passion for service and want a career for life, visit joinbaltimorecountypd.com or call 410 887 5542. You must be a United States citizen, possess a valid driver's license, and have a high school diploma or GED equivalent. The Baltimore County Police Department is an equal opportunity employer. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning at 1140. Fendel Sportsbook Assistant GM Leon Twyman and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and offer you a few winners. And every other Thursday at 1140, tune in for Weekend at Bookies as Andrew Stecka and Alloy Sports Brad Cronthal help make you some money for the weekend. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday and Weekend at Bookies every other Thursday. Thursday, brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. 
Experience the best in Kamado Grilling, a complete outdoor cooking appliance. The Ginsu Kamado Grill allows anyone to sear, grill, bake, and smoke all types of food. Designed for efficiency and function, the Ginsu Kamado Grill upholds the enduring legacy of the iconic Ginsu brand. The Ginsu Kamado Grill is perfect to cook all year round, is great for parties, and ideal for tailgating with your friends. Reserve your Ginsu Kamado Grill today at ginsugrills.com and get $100 off on your pre-order when you use the promo code tailgate that's ginsugrills.com reserve yours today welcome back into the battle round today's show brought to you by press boxes glenn clark glenn clark radio which is the definitive place to find the best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. Watch the show every weekday from 10 to noon at youtube.com slash pressboxonline or facebook.com slash pressboxsports or listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio with podcasts available on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcast. You have no excuse to not tune into GCR. It is freaking everywhere and you never know who might pop up on GCR. This week, the guys caught up with Baltimore native and ESPN superstar Dominic Foxworth, former Ravens receiver Cadre Esmail, Notre Dame safety and Annapolis native DJ Brown, and the great Kenny Maine. Find those interviews and more in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in Review feature at PressBoxOnline.com. We do our weekly picks <coughs> at, for PressBox Um on Glenn Clark for Glenn Clark Radio and Press Box, there's seven of us, and we pick three college games. We pick uh, six NFL games, and the loser of the of the picks has to dress up as Dennis Rodman in the wedding dress. They have to do the worm. They have to eat a burger made of worms, and they have to let somebody do the Rikishi stink face to them. Do you know what the Rikishi stink face I, is? I do not, but that's a lot to take so, in at one so time. So Rikishi was a. Um, he is a Samoan former professional wrestler. His okay. his sons are the tw- uh, uh, the twins, the Usos. Uh, the they are um, the tag team champions in WWE right now. Well, when Rikishi was in WWE, he was a he's a larger man, and he would wear this thing that almost like he wore like a speedo, right, and with like flares that came down it, like little okay. tassels or whatever. Yeah. And when he had you down down and out, he prop you up in the corner, run at you full speed, and jump and spin at the same time and throw his butt right in your face. And then, nice. ru- and then rub his butt on your face. That's the stink face. Wow. So the loser of the pickums has to eat a burger made of worms, dress as the worm, uh, Dennis Rodman, at, in the wedding dress, um, do the worm, and then they have to get stink faced by Rikishi. I don't know what that has to do with the worm at all, but... Bur- burger made of worms, like an actual burger made of worms. Yes. Yes. You better hope you don't lose, man. Well, I was vice worm. I was in... Second to last place for a good bit of the season. Okay, um, Andrew Stecka was in has been in last place all year, That's, and he's oh. the one he's the one who lost last year. He get his back waxed. I remember on, that on the show. Yeah, um, bad luck for Stecka. So he he makes some some terrible picks, <laughs> like, like some picks that don't matter. Although he took the Jets to cover against the Bills last week, and not only did they cover, they won. They did. He was the only one. He was a lone wolf on that, and he took the Packers. Um, I can't remember who we, he he took something ridiculous that shouldn't have won and it and it did as a lone wolf also, mm. um, but yeah so he's currently in last place I was vice worm second to last place and then I had like a five and four week and then I went six and three the following week with the lone wolf on Green Bay covering against the Bills and I won that uh, and then I went four and three this past week with two pushes 
to win the week again, and now I'm a game out of first place. But burger made of worms. A burger made That's of worms. That's terrifying yeah. to me. I'm so glad I've made a run because now I think I'm ten games. Whew. I think I'm like nine or ten games clear. Who are Andrew, you at this point? Who are you getting stink faced by? Is it? Um, is I, it I, I think it's the winner. I think the it's winner. The winner. Stink faces okay. you. I don't want to. I don't want to do that to the poor guy. Um, I want to win because it's. I'm it, really glad it, I'm not in this. It's a small pot. You know what I mean. I I I want to win, yeah. but. Um, I don't want to put my butt in, man, in, in, the, in the man's face. But, look, I was I was five games ahead of him, but I was in second-to-last place. Now Kyle Ottenheimer is mm. in second-to-last place, just three games up. I am in second place, a game back, tied with Ken Zalas, a game back of Glenn Clark. Okay. Um, so this is a big week. This is a big week in picks. Um, but, yeah, that was all because I just did the Glenn Clark radio um, read. Wild. But, Wild stuff. Wild. Um, so anyway, it is now time for the better round. Not a lot of baseball bets um, to make right now. You can do your uh, World Series futures bets. Uh, the better round is brought to you by online sports betting, which will be starting in Maryland in the next few weeks. And guys, remember, PressBox is your source for not only the better round, but the best offers and sign-up incentives. Starting now, you can get three hundred dollars in pre-registration credits plus incentives other incentives by going to pressboxonline.com slash offers so just go to pressboxonline.com slash offers now register and get your three hundred dollar in your three hundred dollars in pre-registration bonus credits that's pressboxonline.com slash offers so zach let's go with the playoff teams okay um of all the playoff teams last year and it's the astros yankees um blue jays Mariners and Rays. Okay. And it, that's only five. And what was the other team? Uh, who are, you're missing the Guardians, I believe. And and, and and the Guardians. That's right. They won the division. Duh. So those are your six teams in the American League. National League, you had the Braves, the Mets, the Cardinals, the Dodgers, the Phillies, and the Padres. Of those twelve teams, which do you th- which team do you think is the most likely? to win the World Series next year. Oh, give me the Astros. Give you the all, Astros. All day. All right. Well, the Astros have the second best odds mm. to win the World Series next year at plus 600. Can yeah. you care to guess the number one team? Um, Probably the Yankees. No. Yankees are third best at plus 850. Okay. It is the Dodgers. Oh, okay. Makes sense. At plus 550 uh, to win the World Series next year. Now, for me... I don't know, man. You you look at the St. Louis Cardinals, and they're probably going to add some pitching this offseason. Sure, they could they, get a they, lot better. They, they may be a player for Wilson Contreras because Yadier Molina has retired. Um, they're plus two thousand. Yeah, put a hundred yeah. put a hundred dollar bet down or a ten dollar bet win two hundred bucks. A hundred dollar bet mm. win two thousand on the St. Louis Cardinals. So, which of these odds do you like the best? You have the Cardinals at you have the Rays at plus twenty five hundred to win the world because you're gonna pick it uh uh you're gonna pick a team and I'm gonna pick a team for our listeners if they so choose okay. to go place a bet on to win the World Series next okay. year. Okay. Okay. Um, so of those teams, and it doesn't even have to be those teams. It can be any team in baseball that you want to pick. If you're picking the Astros, but think about this: the Astros. They have the second best odds, so you can make the second sure. best amount of money. So a team that maybe has decent odds, 
but probably isn't favored to win the World Series. So you want to pick a team that's okay. competitive that has a chance to get there, like the Phillies this year would, sure. have, been, would have been an awesome bet to make. Or the Guardians you know, because they have the youngest roster and their pitching is really good and they're only going to get better. Yeah. Or the Orioles maybe have an outside shot at yeah. it. You know, I really like the Mariners. And I did this year. I thought they would make a, a pretty deep run. And they're a team that it's probably going to add. Um, you're going to get guys that are only going to improve, like Julio Rodriguez is only going to improve. Hopefully they can add to the pitching and make the starting pitch even better. They could be a really dangerous team next year. I think the Mariners win 95 games at least next year, go on a long run. They could win the World Series very easily. Very easily. All right, so Zach is going to take the Mariners. He's telling you to go place a futures bet on the Seattle Mariners to win the World Series next year. That is plus 2,000 odds, just like the St. Louis Cardinals. Okay. Now, look, it's an Orioles show. So I want to sit here and say, take the Orioles. The Orioles are plus 4,000 to win the World Series. And if you look at it, they're going to have Grayson Rodriguez. They're probably going to add a free agent pitcher or two. They're probably going to add a free agent bat. Then you also have uh, a, a... the first full season of Gunnar Henderson, he's already... I mean, you saw what he did from 2021 to 2022 in the minor leagues. And I get it that it's the minors. Yeah. He was the best minor league player in baseball. Yeah. You saw what he did, and now he's going to be able to do that uh, from one year to the next at the major league level. In a level. full season, too. You got a full season of Adley Rutschman. Uh, and you have Jordan Westbrook, who's going to be coming up. The Orioles are probably going to add some players to try and get a little bit better. Yeah. The bullpen they might add to... It's not a bad bet at plus 4,000. It's yeah. not likely. I still think they're a couple years away from being legitimate Probably, World Series yeah. contenders. But then I look at a team like the San Francisco Giants. Yeah, they could easily do it. They are rumored to be willing to spend a ton of money. They haven't just yeah. been linked to Aaron Judge. They've been linked to any of the four or five yeah. big shortstop names. They've got the starting pitching in their rotation. They may bring Rodon back at a di- at a longer, more lucrative deal. Yeah. They have the money to spend, and they've been outspoken about being willing to spend that money. Sure. Right now, you can get the San Francisco Giants at plus 4,000 to win the World Series. I'd say take that. That seems like a pretty good bet. I, I, I'd yeah. say, so that, that's what we're saying here. On the bet around, on the bat around, Zach is saying take the Seattle Mariners at plus 2,000 to win the World Series in 2023. I'm saying take the uh, San Francisco Giants, who were just a year removed from a 107-win season, at plus 4,000 to win the 2023 World Series because I think they're going to be major players in free agency, and the pitching's already there. It's going to be a big offseason, big offseason for the Giants uh, in particular. I think that's a safe, not a safe bet. None of these bets are safe, but I think it's a good bet to throw some money down at plus 4,000. All right, very good, very good. Um, today's show brought to you by the all-new Ginsu Kamado Grill. The Ginsu Kamado Grill is the perfect ceramic tailgate or home grill to sear, grill, bake, and smoke all kinds of food. Uh, Zach tried to do it with some salmon on, on his own and uh, really failed, so he could have really used a Ginsu Kamado Grill. Get the details and reserve your say at GinsuGrills.com and use the code TAILGATE to get $100 off your order. Man, we are just giving away money. Here at Pressbook. Yeah. We're giving away money. Why are you guys not taking taking the us up on these offers? Look, come get a sample of the cooking for the Ginsu Kamado Grill before every Ravens home game this season at the Game Day Firehouse, located at the Firefighters Union Hall just west of the stadium at 1202 Ridgely Street. You can stop by, try some food, and enter to win a Ginsu Kamado Ceramic Grill and $500 worth of grilling. 
meats. I wonder if salmon is included in the five hundred dollars for the. It should meats. be. It should be. Have you tried salmon since? Have you tried? No. Just some ham and cheese hot pockets. No, not that either. Um, I haven't made salmon again, but I, it's gonna be a little while. You know, it's gonna be a little while. That was. Yeah. yeah it was. PTSD. Ooh, it was. It was bad. Um, it, it didn't taste all that bad, but it, like I, I told you, like a good quarter of it was raw uh, because it just wasn't cooking through right. I don't you know. gotta get the Ginsu. You know, I, I was gonna say I blame it on the stove of my apartment complex. It just wasn't good enough, so yeah, I well, blame it on that. I blame it on you for not knowing how to cook salmon. That's also very probable. So you know how to do your own laundry at least. Oh well, come on. I'm just come on. I, it's all right, man. Like I said, you look like a tennis player. So come you know, on. You know, maybe, maybe your parents have been doing your laundry. I look like a tennis player. You do. I've heard that before from uh, yeah, you. For, from you, from you and you only. Yeah, from me. You look like a tennis player. All right. Um. All right. So. Orioles banter. Off season begins. Damn, it's already ten, ten to twelve. I thought we were getting out of here at like twelve or five today. Yeah, good <laughs> luck, Paul. All right, Orioles banter. The off season begins, and Rich Dubroff made a really um, an important comment there, and he's absolutely right. And I and I say this a lot. No, it's not to pat myself on the back, but it's because I agree with Rich. Mm-hmm. You never know what you're going to get with prospects. He said it and I r- typed it so I wouldn't forget it. You never know what you're going to get with prospects. Yeah. So, uh, the Orioles they have this infield roster crunch. There's a bunch of shortstops on the market. The Orioles have a plethora of outfielders. Mm-hmm. There's a, a big name, a couple big name outfielders, none bigger than Aaron Judge, but then there's also Brandon Nimmo. Yeah. I do think the Orioles are going to trade some outfielders for pitching with potentially the Marlins. Mhm. I don't think you don't sign players because you have prospects that are waiting. Like I wouldn't say don't sign, um, don't sign Trey Turner because you have Gunnar Henderson and Jackson Holiday. Like if you can get Trey Turner, go get Trey Turner. Right. You know, and he, but Trey Turner can also play all over the field. Right. He can play anywhere. Um, so with that, with that in mind. Do you think that the Orioles have the same mindset? Do you think that the Orioles are, are approaching free agency the same way, that if they can get a really good player, that they're going to try and get them? Of course. I mean, I, I think they're going to sign who they believe to be the middle-of-the-order bat. You know, if we're looking at just on the on the hitting side of things at the moment, I don't think they're going to sign a guy based on the fact that he plays a certain position. I think they're going to sign a guy based on the fact that he can be a middle-of-the-order bat. Mm-hmm. Um, that You know, he can bat third or fourth in this lineup and provide a, a spark nightly. And a guy that makes a big difference. I mean, you saw Rock Kubako. He just wrote about it yesterday. That they left the GM meetings, and he said their first priority is still adding a middle-of-the-order bat, a starting pitcher, um, and hopefully some backup catcher help. That's their priority. And I don't really think position matters that much because, you know, guys are versatile these days, too. Uh, and, and the Orioles have added, certainly throughout the farm system and at the Major League roster, a plethora of versatile guys. You look at Ramon Arias. He's very versatile. Uh, Gunnar Henderson can play three different positions in the infield and maybe first base, too. You look at Jorge Mateo, the same way. If you sign a guy like Trey Turner, there's a number of places, uh, a number of places that he could play because of the versatility the Orioles already have. Mm-hmm. Um, a guy like Colton Cowser can play all three outfield positions. Jordan Westberg can play all three infield positions besides first base and some outfield. And some outfield. You have guys who can move around, and I mm-hmm. think that's what they need, and that's why they've been, you know really breeding these guys to be able to play all these different positions because it's that important when you're signing free agents. Maybe outside of a guy like Jose Abreu, who probably is limited to first base and DH. That's where he's going to be. Mm-hmm. But you look at the other guys, the shortstops, and man, they can, they're can they athletic. You know, The shortstop is all, arguably the most athletic player in the field. They can play anywhere. 
Well, and so it, it makes, and that's why I'm not sold that the Orioles aren't going to be players for some of these big name guys. Mm-hmm. Simply because who else are they going to sign? If they're right. if, if their top priority, and Rock has said it a number of times, and, and we've said it on the show, yeah. that their top priority needs to be a middle of the order bat, yeah. first and foremost, because that's where they faltered this past yes. year was the offense. Yeah. The pitching was two runs better than it was a year before. Yeah. Where they faltered was with the offense. They need a legitimate middle of the order bat. Yeah. Who are they going to sign? If not these top guys. And look, the, the legitimate free agents on the market that can hit, I'm going to read them off to you because they got qualifying mm-hmm. offers, right? Aaron Judge, Trey Turner, Xander Bogarts, Dansby Swanson, um, Carlos Correa didn't because he, he opted out, yeah. Brandon Nimmo, Wilson Contreras, Anthony Rizzo, uh, Jock Peterson. Those are the, the main offensive bats yeah. that are on the market. It's, there's not a bad name amongst all of them. Look, no. you're, you're not going to sign... Anthony Rizzo because you don't he's a left-handed bat but you don't really need him no right I don't see Rizzo as a possibility and Rizzo is still too good of a first baseman to be to move to a full-time DH role and Ryan Mountcastle has become too good of a first baseman and he's too young to move him to a full-time DH role you don't need to do that you're cutting off your nose to spite your face Rizzo's not not a not a thing Wilson Contreras you have Adley Rutschman and you're not bringing Wilson Contreras into platoon with Adley Rutschman no he's not a thing Jock Peterson's probably accepting that qualifying offer because nobody else is going to give him $20 million a year. Yeah, I think we need to have a conversation about Jock Peterson because there are a lot of people who really like Jock Peterson, want Jock Peterson. I Jock Peterson is basically Rugnet Adore Plus. Mm-hmm. Sorry, but that's what he, he is. He hit 279 last year. His own base points was what, like three, 360, 23 home runs. They said if he played in Camden Yard, if he played for the Orioles, he would have had 20, he would have had six more home runs last year. That's the best year he's ever had. His weighted runs. Um, Created his what was it? Weighted runs created plus was one sixteen. Yeah, I mean, if you look at every other year, it's not the same. No, he he's uh, he hit two forty nine or less every other season in his career. He in twenty twenty one had a ninety. I think he had a ninety six weighted runs created, and in twenty twenty it was eighty three. Yeah, his. You could look at people are saying, oh, this guy had an eight fifty six OPS or whatever the hell it was. Mm-hmm. Okay. What did he do the year before? Because you look at the inverse of that. You look at what Jesus Aguilar this year was yeah. god awful. But in twenty twenty one, he had a one eleven weighted runs created, right. and he had he had twenty three homers and drove in ninety nine. So I'm he, not signing Jock Peterson based on one good year. I'm just not. And neither and am I. If you look, and at neither the, is Mike Elias. Right, I, I agree with that. And if you look at the numbers from you know the years he hit thirty six home runs in twenty nineteen and and twenty five home runs in twenty eighteen. The on-base percentage is still relatively low. The highest he got didn't was three thirty-nine. Didn't he hit thirty-six home runs and only drive in like fifty-seven? Uh, he seventy-four in that there, thirty-six there, there home was, run year. There was somebody that I saw that is a free agent that hit like thirty-some odd home runs one year, but only drove in like fifty-seven runs. It that was, could it, certainly be possible. It was it was something ridiculous. But Jock Peterson isn't the guy because. Pitchers don't feel the pitchers th- know that they can get him out. Yeah, a guy that you need for this lineup because you already have those guys in your lineup, mm-hmm. right? Pitchers know they can get out Ryan Mountcastle. They know they can get out Anthony Santander. Yeah, and it, they don't have to throw him strikes in big situations to get them out. We saw it time and time again with Santander and Mountcastle, and then Austin Hayes. Yeah, Austin Hayes. I don't know that he's going to be here, but I don't know that that's a guy like you already have a number of guys in your lineup that. Are Jock Peterson esque players? Right, right. You have Gunnar Henderson and Adley Rutschman 
in your lineup to take the best at bats. Yeah, they take the best at bats, and then Taron Vavra, but he's not doesn't have the play, the the hitter profile that those guys do. You need that legitimate bat. That legitimate bat is not Jock Peterson. No, I, I don't think it is either. And I mean, I maybe Rugnodador is a bad comparison. He's he's a lot better. He's a, a lot better than at R- this point. But if you look at the numbers from Rugnodador when he was good in mm-hmm. in 2015, 2017, those years, they're very comparable. Pretty similar. Um, and maybe now it's not a good comparison. But you, you understand my point here that the on base he could be headed in that direction. He could be headed in that direction. Number one, but also the on base percentage is low. The strikeouts are high. The swing and miss is high. It's a guy that it, it, he doesn't really diversify the Orioles enough for me. Yeah, I think they need a guy who, who frankly, gets on base a lot more than Jock Peterson does, and, if, and I'm not sure he's the right fit. Look, if the Orioles signed a legitimate middle of the order bat and Jock Peterson, mm-hmm. okay, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I, I'm not saying that I wouldn't want Jock Peterson under the right situation, but he can't be the guy that you sign. Well, I agree with that. One one thing I will say, and this is going to be. I think relative to Jock Peterson and uh, and Joey Gallo, because the, the shift is being bad uh, in this coming yeah. year, and that's going to help out left-handed hitters. Mm-hmm. And, and Joey Gallo and Jock Peterson, I think, are two guys who have really struggled because of the shift um, in, in a lot of scenarios. But they also <laughs> strike me. out a ton. But they also strike out a ton. Those two are guys that I could see really benefiting and becoming better players because of the shift being banned. But I don't think that, again, should be a reason for the Orioles to go out and say, these guys are the right fit. I certainly don't think Joey Gallo is the right fit. I I could handle, I could stomach Jock Peterson. I couldn't stomach Joey Gallo. The the only two times that that Joey Gallo has crossed my mind this offseason is the two times that he's been mentioned to me, (laughs) and that was by you and by Ryan Blake. Joey, I have zero negative interest. I'm not a fan. I I, I, I would pay the Orioles not to sign. Wow. Okay. Joey Gallo. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I certainly don't disagree with you. I think again, but, he fits that mold of, of high strikeout, and he's uh, not even listed as a top fifty free agent. No, he's not, and he's he's fallen off. I mean, he hasn't been what he was what four years ago in Texas. He had one or two good years that were that were uh, you know home run heavy, but there's a lot of shortcomings that come with a guy like that. Right, and so I, when I look at it, when I look at the legitimate middle of the order bats that they can add. Yeah. It's Aaron Judge, it's Trey Turner, it's Xander Bogarts, it's mm-hmm. Dansby Swanson, it's Carlos Correa, it's Josh Bell, it's Jose Abreu, yeah. it's J.D. Martinez. Uh, they're, they, you, all, you have to imagine they're going to sign one of those guys. Yeah, It'll probably be J.D. Martinez. I was going to say, I, I really feel he's the right fit. I, him and Jose Abreu, they keep... They're what, the two best fits. Yeah. And they're guys that you don't need to, to lock up to a long-term deal. They're not going to block anybody. They're not going to stop any of these young prospects who yeah. might be on the way but not quite ready yet, like, mm-hmm. a, like a Kobe Mayo, right? They're, n- they're not going to block him. Um, so for me, it's, yeah, you're probably not getting in the air in Judge Waters. No, and right. as much as I would love him in the middle of this order, if it's the amount of money and the amount of years they're saying he's going to get, he's not going to be healthy for the duration of that contract. Yeah. You know, and Trey Turner. Trey Turner is the one guy who I see no flaws in this game, and, and yeah. so I, I would love to have him. Carlos Correa is a guy often injured, but when he's on the field, he's a difference yeah. maker, and he makes he legitimizes your ball club. But uh, like Dansby Swanson isn't going to be a Baltimore Oriole. He's probably still going to be a Brave. Uh, yeah. You know, likelihood is Trey Turner and Aaron Judge aren't going to be Baltimore Orioles, but somebody's got to be. Right. Somebody's going to be signed, and it's probably going to be. Aaron Judge, uh, not Aaron Judge, 
Jose Abreu or J.D. Martinez. I don't. Yeah. Think, I I think Justin Turner is on the wrong side of his career at this I, point. Yeah. I I I respect Stan's opinion there. Yeah. Uh, completely. I do not agree with him personally. Right. Uh, Justin Turner, the power number dropped off by 14 home runs this year. Number mm-hmm. one, the on base percentage was still 350. That's really yeah, good. Yeah. He had a, he had you know, a good I, year and he drove in over 80. He had 30 yeah. plus 35 plus doubles. But on November 23rd, he th- he turns 38 years old. And mm-hmm. when you look at guys who get at that age, you start to see a massive drop off, and right. it it could come sharply. You know, you could see him have a a three ten on base percentage this year, where the numbers are significantly worse. I would frankly kind of expect that because again, he's thirty eight years old, and then again, it, it, Justin Turner just I don't really feel that's a middle of the order bat to me. I, I think he's maybe like a seven hitter yeah. on a lot of teams, and he's not an everyday player. No, I wouldn't say that either. I do think you know, as far as J D Martinez goes, yeah, the the. The numbers are somewhat similar, but I believe you know JD's younger, number one, and I think JD has a uh, a higher ceiling left at his career at this point. I think there's room for growth with him where there isn't really with Justin Turner. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And Justin Turner, he's not going to suddenly get better, especially with that right. that big wall in left yeah. field. And if you're going to bring in a guy who's probably going to be a DH for you, why would it be Justin Turner? Yeah, I, I just don't see that. Um, unless you want to bat him seventh or eighth, then maybe I could stomach that. But again, I, I yeah, don't. He can play some third base and first base for you. He like can. That. He I... can. JD Martinez just makes so much sense, and you get gut feelings. I don't know if you do, but I I get gut feelings about who's going to be an Oriole, and you can kind of mm-hmm. feel it. Um, like I, I felt it with Alex Cobb a few years ago, in, in I believe it was 2017, somewhere around there, where when he was signed, and you can just. You kind of start to feel who the real right fit is, and J.D. Martinez is really feeling like the right fit for me. He feels like the right fit to me, too. And and ever since you mentioned him about a month and a half ago, he's felt like the right fit for me. And so then uh, that's why I also think that the Orioles, I said to Ryan on Give That Fan a Podcast, Shameless Pug Alert, the other day, (laughs) and I said, I firmly believe that the Orioles are going to make a trade for pitching with the Miami Marlins. They certainly could. And And, and again, there was another account this week. I don't know if it was one of the the real um, reliable accounts out there on Twitter, but they said that Miami's looking for a, a center fielder. Yeah. So, and the Orioles have a couple of those. And I also saw something, and it, I don't know how reliable that source is, but the the Braves are shopping Ronald Acuna Jr. <laughs> and that the Orioles yeah, are one of the teams. I saw that, that too. That, now, the, Michael Elias could have been like, hey, heard you're shopping Acuna. What do you want from him? Yeah. yeah, no thanks. We're out. Yeah. But they, but they, And that's considered that's considered to be one of the teams that talk to the Braves about it. Now, the, the, the Orioles traded for Ronald Acuna. It, 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 I would have to see what they have to give up. But he's a difference maker. There, yeah. there, there wouldn't be much that you could tell me that the Orioles were giving up where I wouldn't be like, do it. So someone said, would you trade Jackson Holiday for, for Ronald Acuna? I'm not thinking twice about that. Yes, absolutely. I'm trading Jackson Holiday. 18-year-old is probably three years away from the major oh, yeah. leagues for Ronald Acuna. Uh, Ronald yeah. Acuna is a generational player. And uh, and, and certainly Jackson Holiday could be too. But I'm taking my chances there. I'm getting Ronald Acuna. Yeah. Ronald Acuna and, and is a five-tool star. You... you if you can trade a prospect for a player like Ronald Acuna, and look, it's depending on the prospect. I don't well, want to say I, it's not going to be just Jackson Holiday. It'll be more right, guys than that. But I don't want to trade Gunnar Henderson and Grayson Rodriguez for Ronald Acuna. But Jackson I Holiday, who hasn't who hasn't even started his first full pro season yet, he's 18 years old. It's probably two to three years at the at the at a minimum from the majors. I could get on board with that, especially when you think that you probably have you probably already have your shortstop of the future. In Gunnar Henderson. Yeah. I, by the way, I'm I'm starting to get another gut feeling, um, and this has happened. This has been. I, I've been thinking this about really the last week that I really feel Cedric Mullins is going to be moved. You think so? I, I'm really confident in that. I I could I could see it. 
yeah. but we've been talking about this for two years now. We have. We we, have. we, we thought he might get traded last offseason because his value was never going to be higher. Um, but I also wouldn't be surprised to see him. A lot of people I respect really seem to think that he's going to stay. They, okay. That he's going to stay and be a part of this team moving forward. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about them. Somebody asked me um, if we could tune into the Mass and All Access free agent bracket and talk about the guys that they talk about on the show. And I said I would do that. So, But I'm not going to go over all 32 players that they had yeah. uh, in in their bracket. We're going to do the final four. And in their final four, cause it, and they, they had it, um, Paul Moncano, and I can't remember the name of his co-host. Uh, Mortensen, right? Isn't it Brandon Mortensen? Yes, I Brandon Mortensen. That, yeah. That's what it is. Thank you. I, it, it, was, it was slipping my mind. Um, they had it in the four brackets were, the four uh, columns were backup catcher, starting pitcher, um, position player, and power bat. Yeah. And their final four came down to Kirk Casale, Jock Peterson, Jamison Tyon, and Joey Wendell. Yeah. I have zero interest in Joey Wendell. Uh, same here. I, I, I do have not... zero interest in Jock Peterson if he's the only guy. I wouldn't say I have zero interest in him. He's just not at the top of my list. Yeah. I, I, I don't have interest in him if he's the only one. Yeah. If he's an yeah. add-on, if he's somebody else that you sign in addition to, then yeah. yes. Um, Kirk Casale, they could do far worse as a backup catcher. Um, oh, yeah. I'm still in on Tucker Barnhart, but I, he, I think he still views himself as an everyday um, yeah. as a starting caliber catcher. Um, and then Jamison Tyon, I think that the Orioles could do so much worse than Jamison Tyon. Yeah. And, and if it's going to cost you $18 million a year, that's a guy who I would love to... He's never been bad at the big league level. So here's my point about Lyles, though. If you look at Lyles' numbers, they're not... They're barely any different than Jamison Tyon's this year. So am I paying him $7 million more per year to be a little better than Jordan Lyles? Yeah. Are you? I, I think he's... I think he's more than a little better. I mean, than he, Jordan Lyles. Lyles had a four four two ERA and, and uh, Tyon had a four nine four. So he he no, had he a didn't. Mar- Tyon had had his ERA oh, was like it was like three eight nine. I could be wrong. Okay, I he has never he, his ERA. I think the highest ERA he's ever posted was like four two something. Um, oh yeah, you're correct. It was three nine one. You're right. Okay, yeah. so that that is a significant that is a significant. He, he's difference. a half run better. Is he, that seven million better? For a half run, ERA? I guess so. I guess so. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you you add that up over over the course of a season, and if you look at you look at his stats, he's never been bad. I, I, by I, the way, his worst season was like a four and a half ERA. So I'm I'm missing him with uh, or I'm I'm replacing him with Sean Manaya. Manaya yeah, had the four nine four ERA. Manaya was really good in up through the first half last year, yeah. and then he just fell apart. And he he half. was rumored to get the same really type of contract that, that Jameson Tyon could. Four not. years 52 by, by MLB trade right. rumors and Tyon four years 56. I, I'm not paying I'm not paying Sean no. Manaya that much money. Well the, the the final two were Jock Peterson and Jameson Tyon. Okay. Winner was Jameson Tyon. And that that was just a, a practice by them yeah. to see to pick the, the one guy they were for sure was gonna get yeah. signed by the Orioles. And it was Tyon. But I agree with them. They said that they think they're gonna add more than just that. Yeah. Um, I don't know how many they're going to add. Uh, if they get a one legitimate starting pitcher and one legitimate bat, I'm good. Yeah. But I think they're going to add more than that because uh, a lot said they're going to be active early and often. Is p- paraphrasing, but that's basically what he said. Now, before we catch our final break, those guys were also they both for some reason love the idea of Carlos Santana. I do not. Carlos Santana, I think, is the guy who I saw had like a 30 homer season with only 57 RBIs. There is not one part of me. That wants Carlos Santana in um, in in an Orioles uniform. 
I just think that the the the, the bat doesn't play anymore. Yeah, he has a ton of power, but doesn't hit for good average. He anymore. hit 19 home runs this year. Uh, his on base percentage on base percentage was 316. OPS of 692. That's not something I I would I, I think is a middle of the order bat at all. That's far from it, frankly. Yeah, I, I don't think that's the right fit at all. His last three seasons, he's hit 199, 214, 202. Um, he hasn't been a 30 homer player in what's going to be four years now. He's never driven in 100. He walks a ton. He walks a ton. He, he's a he big, does. He's a big on base guy, but he's also a, a nah, he doesn't strike out as much as I thought he did. But that's not a bat that I want in the lineup. That's not a bat that makes no. your team better. No. That that you can you can find a DH for the same money that you're gonna for probably less money in your organization. That's yeah. gonna put up better numbers than that. I uh, I I I don't understand the whole Carlos Santana thing, but. I don't either. Yeah, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Neither would, uh, and they also um, tweeted out the, the Mass and All Access said, "Would you have? Would uh, anybody have interest in Gene Segura or Joey Wendell?" And I said, "No." Segura, maybe Wendell, no way. Well, but you have those players on your team already. Why would you? Get, I guess. Why would you get rid of Mateo or Arias and then go yeah. sign uh, and then go sign? Um, Segura or Wendell. Segura's a clutch hitter. He always has come up in big spots. So I, is Arias. Th- that's true. I, I do really like Segura. I always have. Segura's been a favorite of mine. I talked about it two weeks ago, though. He is a one of the weirder players in baseball, where right. the, the defense is a little shaky in, in, in a lot of situations. So and you're not going to... Eh. And the other thing is, Connor Norby and Jordan Westbrook are going to get shots this year, more than likely, yeah. right, to play second base. One of those two guys is going to play second base a good bit for the yeah. Orioles this year. And until they do... Why not have Arias play second base? Why go out and why why move Arias to a utility role or trade him or and then go get Segura? The, yeah. the, there's not a need for either of those players. It, I have there's not a need for a a, a, a veteran. And, and I talked about this with Connor Newcomb. I respect Connor Newcomb a great deal, and he's certain that the Orioles are going to sign a free agent infielder, um, but not like one of the big names, but like a free agent yeah. infielder. I don't understand that. I don't see why they would. Well, it doesn't make any sense. Unless to it's me. your your top guys, then it doesn't. Make if, a lot yeah, of sense if it's to your either. top guy, sure. But you already have a guy that's comparable, if not better, than any of those veteran infielders that you would sign on the open market. I, I would do a cheap deal for Gene Segura. I really would. But I don't know outside of that if I would go after anybody. At this point in his career, I don't know that he's much better than Arias. That's fair. And that's I think fair. Arias is a better defender. He Arias. He played. I would agree Most of his time at third base. He didn't make a single error at second base in like yeah. thirty games though. Yeah. No. So for, it's, it's none of the a veteran infielder doesn't make any sense to me because you've already got a lot in your uh, on your team as it is. All right, we got to catch our final break when we come back in. I've got a trivia question for um, I almost called you Alex. I've got a <laughs> trivia question for Zach. Uh, then we've got some final thoughts that and more as we wrap things up here on the bat around. The Baltimore County Police Department is hiring. Entry-level officers start at close to $59,000 a year with a $10,000 bonus. Some restrictions apply. Plus a great retirement plan, medical, dental, and vision insurance, advancement to specialized units, tuition reimbursement, 15 sick days earned per calendar year, and even further incentives for military members and veterans. If you have a passion for service and want a career for life, visit JoinBaltimoreCountyPD.com or call 410-887-5542. 
two. You must be a United States citizen, possess a valid driver's license, and have a high school diploma or GED equivalent. The Baltimore County Police Department is an equal opportunity employer. Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. Receive a free Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich offer card as a thank you when you donate to Toys for Tots on Saturday, November 12th at any of the 13 Baltimore area Chick-fil-A Stuff the Truck event sites. Be one of the first 50 people to donate and you will also get a free t-shirt. For a location list and more information, visit PressBoxOnline.com slash ToyDrive. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Glory Days Grill's Oktoberfest menu is now running. It's one of their most popular seasonal menus all year. It features the chicken schnitzel, the Oktoberfest brewer's platter, the brewer sausage sandwich, the Bavarian burger with a pretzel bun, the cheddar ale soup, the slam dunk pretzels, and the apple cobbler. All of these meals pair well with Oktoberfest beers and Angry Orchard on draft. Dine in or order online at glorydaysgrill.com and pick up your favorites take home. Glory Days Grill. Great food. Good sports. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. Have you been to Guilford Hall Brewery? Located in Baltimore's Station North neighborhood, Guilford Hall Brewery breaks the craft brew mold with their great handcrafted microbrews and amazing Bavarian-style food selections. Join Guilford Hall seven days a week for Orioles, Ravens, and all of your favorite college games. Make plans now to watch the big games, play trivia, or bring your dog for yappy hour. They even have free valet service on Friday and Saturday nights. Go to guilfordhall.com for a complete schedule of events, beer listings, and food and drink specials. We'll see you at Guilford Hall Brewery. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, New Maryland basketball coach Kevin Willard sits down with Stan Charles and Glenn Clark to discuss the situation he inherited in College Park and how he plans to get the program turned around. Also, inside, we introduce you to men's and women's college basketball players from all of the teams in the area. And Bo Smoka profiles Ravens receiver Devin DuVernay. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Back in here on the Bat Around, today's show brought to you by the latest edition of Press Box, which is available now on the cover. New Maryland basketball coach Kevin Willard, who has those guys playing pretty well right now, sits down with Stan Charles and Glenn Clark to discuss the situation he inherited in College Park and how he plans to get the program turned around. Also inside, we introduce you to men's and women's college basketball players from all of the teams in the area and... 
boasts Mocha Profiles Ravens receiver Devin Duvernay. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. All right, time for trivia. Trivia is a segment that we introduced last year during the offseason, and yeah. we're into the offseason. I'm a little and nervous. And it is back now. I think Zach forgot about it till he saw the trivia Very much did. blurb. Um, what are the mm. five richest contracts given out to free agents in Orioles history Oof. based on average annual value? One caveat here, not to their own free agents. So even though Trumbo got three years, okay. $37.5 million, and Davis got seven years, $161 million, and they were free agents, they were the Orioles' own free agents. Okay, so no re-signs. No re-signs. Got it. Um... This is hard. This is something I, it's going to go back a little bit, I yeah. think. Um, Mark Trumbo the first time wasn't one of them, correct? I, I doubt that. No, they traded for him. Oh, they did trade for him. That's that's correct. Uh, Alex Cobb would be my first guess. Alex Cobb, number two, four years, okay. $57 million. Okay. Um, yeah, that's a lot of money for them in that in that regime. Uh, I can't. I, I, this you don't is have tough. to know the numbers. Just guess the player. Okay. Um, Tejada, Miguel Tejada, number one, six years, okay. seventy-two million. Mm. So I'm assuming all these are multi-year deals, right? Like it's not going to be. There's one one-year deal and there's one two-year deal. Uh, Jimmy Key, no. Okay, Sammy Sosa. I'm assuming in 2005, he was, he was traded for. They traded. Jerry, ah, Sam, they, they traded Jerry Harrison and somebody else for, I didn't know for that. Sammy Sosa. Um. Learn thing, learn something new every day. And back and back when Jimmy Key signed with the Orioles in '97, they weren't giving it, out contracts like that. I yeah, guess. L- yeah. like uh, uh, Palmero, I thought would be on here when he signed in the '93, '94 offseason, mm-hmm. and his contract was like five years, twenty-seven and a half million. Palmero is my next guest, so I'm, I'm glad yeah, he, you. Uh, he's not. He's not on the list. Is, I doubt Andrew Kashner is one of them, but you never know because they haven't given out a lot of big. contracts. Andrew Kashner would be number six. Number six. Okay. He would have been two years, sixteen million. Mm. Okay. So okay. I'll, I'll give you the numbers here. Oh, two years, sixteen million. Okay, and that would have been number. So six. Jordan Lyles wouldn't be that far off. Yeah, but he's but he had. I mean, two years, sixteen million is eight million a year. Right, Jordan Average Lyles. Annual, and yeah. Lyles was seven million. Right. Well, I guess if they picked up the option, he would have been over. He, he yeah, probably would have been but, number five. But, but, but they didn't. Oh, right. I know. I know. Um, you know, if if they signed Aaron Judge, <laughs> they'd be yeah. No. Yeah. Of course. Of course. Um, do you want me to give you the numbers of the contract? Sure. Yeah. All that right. Help me. Number three is four years, forty-eight million. Number four is two years, twenty-two million, and number five is one year, eight point zero five million. Wow, this is. You're never gonna get number five. I doubt it. I really There's doubt no it. No way. I. Because he never even played for the team. He got hurt. Um. Can you give me like years that might help a little bit? I did four years. Four, no, 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 oh, no, oh, no, no, no. I'm not giving you. The okay. That, that's gonna give it away. I I don't know if I'm gonna get this. Um. Was Luke Scott one of them? Okay, Luke was Scott wasn't that random, guy. I random think, guess. And I think he came over. I love Luke. Okay, uh, he was no, he was he was a good player. But when the Orioles got he him here, he wasn't that guy. Okay, I think he came over in the in the same trade where they got. Um, oh, oh, JJ Hardy. No, oh, he was a resign. He, he was mm. a, he was a trade and then a resign. Ah, that's right. That was a resign trade from the Brewers. Right. Uh, this is so much harder than it should be. Um, wow, I this is really tough. 
I feel like I should be getting this right. Like I, I should be. I should. You're be familiar with with all three of these guys. Oh, I know but, I am. But the third guy, you, you're never gonna get him. I, you're I never. I really doubt he it. Didn't, he never played for the Orioles. He wow. got signed, and it wasn't too recent. But he got signed and never played for. Him. <laughs> like Dexter Fowler. That does. But not him. Dexter Fowler. <laughs> that would have been three years, thirty-three um, million, and that would that would have that would have been that would have been them, on there. But he, yeah, backed out. Can you give me positions? No. All right. I might not get this then. I I don't, I don't remember who was signed and who was traded for. I think they're, that's the biggest problem. They're all they're all pitchers. They're all pitchers. That, but okay. uh, that's a de- and if I told you that and if or if I told you the, they're both that's both dead giveaways. Yeah. Okay. Um, Miguel Gonzalez. No, he was a um, he was a claim from the Mexican. See that? League. See, I, I don't remember that stuff. Um, I do, I believe Chen was drafted, but I don't no, remember Chen, exactly. Chen, well, he was a free agent, but he was he was um, signed out of uh, Korea. It's it's been so many years. Uh, Chris Tillman, I know, I, I believe he came over in the Adam Jones trade. Adam Jones trade. Yeah, I was gonna say I believe he was traded for. Ah, uh, man. It has to be early 2010s, late 2000s is my guess. That's probably what it was. Um, it wasn't Jim Johnson, was it? No. No? Okay. Um, I guess I give up then. I don't know. You're, you're just going to give up? I mean, how long are we going to sit here and, and have me run through names? Um, man, this is, this is very... When you're put on the spot like this, it's tougher than you, yeah, you, so, you so, think. So Chen... Um, was here with the Orioles on a four-year deal, and the, okay. and his average annual contract was between three and four million. Oh average, wow! Okay, average, average annual. That's pretty. That's pretty I mean, low. He, he never pitched here, and he signed in 2012. So, um, all right, you, you're you're gonna give up? <sighs> give me one more minute. We'll, we'll we'll run through some more names. Um, you're the one who wants to be out of here in three minutes. No, it's okay. It's okay. Um, man, I wanted to be too. I can't believe we stayed here this long. Okay. All right, yeah, I I I, I don't know. I really don't know. Number three, Ubaldo Jimenez. For oh, four years, forty-eight come million. On. I knew you'd kick yourself. Over I knew it. that. Oh. Number number four, Giovanni Gallardo, two years, mm, twenty-two I, million. I thought he was traded for. Mm-mm. Okay. And num- and remember, he had signed a, he had signed the contract, and then he had, something came up in his physical, and the Orioles backed out and then redid the contract. Give me like Cindy Ponson or something for number five. I don't know. But he was he was drafted by the Orioles. Was he? Yeah. Who knows? Oh, um, been a number, while. Number five, threw a no hitter. With the Mets, for a no hitter with the Mets, uh, a lot was of guys it, was, it, was, it, was, it, was a roll not as many as you think. It was a roll five pick five by the pick. Minnesota Twins. Wow! Never pitched for the Orioles because he got hurt in spring training. Oh, was it uh, Johan Santana? Johan Santana. Oh, okay. One All year, right. $8.05 right. million. I was shocked to see that. I didn't realize that they gave him that I much f- money. I totally forgot about One that. One year, eight. Yeah. But it, it just goes to show you that... <laughs> they haven't spent a lot of money. They haven't spent... Like, Chris Davis is seven years, $161 million. It's yeah. the most lucrative contract ever given to, yeah. to any player, let alone a free agent. And he was already a member of their team, yeah. and they were re-signing him. I mean, he technically wasn't a member of the team, but he had already been here. Uh, like... They might blow some of this stuff out of the water. They they, yeah. they they may blow a few of these contracts out of the water this yeah. off season. That remains to be. Seen. Can't believe I didn't get Ubaldo. That yeah, that should have been knew, a, that should have been a gimme. I, I knew you were going to be kicking. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. Try, I think I tried to block his Orioles career out of my memory were, after that. He had some moments. He 2014 some moments. wasn't too bad, I guess. But yeah, you know, 2016, his final moment that sucked. Yeah. Um. All right. <laughs> sure final, did. Final thoughts, real quick. 
the Orioles are going to sign a big name bat. They're going to because there's yep. nobody else out there. They're not going to go out and sign somebody that's going to for the, the, the if they and Rock and Rock is the guy who's like the most in tune, yeah. right? If he and is saying that, that after GM meetings, they're still saying their number one priority is a middle of the order bat. They're not going to sign somebody that's not a legitimate middle of the order bat. They're yeah. going to sign somebody. Well, I think, and I, I think that the Orioles are going to be the surprise team of the offseason. Maybe I mischaracterized that. He said that they're getting a starting pitcher, a backup catcher, and the and the middle of the order bat. They're all the priorities right now. That's right. all the number but, one. But, but if, if you would have to believe that's he's, probably he's the written number a, one. a number of times yeah. that the top priority is the middle of the order yeah. bat. Uh, they can trade for pitching on the free agent market. I think that the Orioles are going to be one of the surprise teams. Of the offseason. Everybody's saying they're not going to spend money because they never have before. But it's a different regime. Mm -hmm. I think they're going to be one of the the surprise teams this offseason. All right. Yeah, I want to talk about the Astros real quick and James Click. Jim Crane basically came out and said his reasoning for not really wanting to bring... Or he didn't come out and say this, but it was reported on by sources that he didn't really like the way that James Click implemented analytics. And Mm -hmm. that he thought the analytical approach wasn't right. But if... We're forgetting that that's how the Astros won the World Series in 2017. I mean, they they went all in on analytics and they changed the culture and they went and and they changed baseball really. I mean, that's, that's what the whole book of Astro Ball is about. If you read that book, it's a great book. I don't know why all of a sudden they're starting to say analytics are are not you know not the move for them. Um, that that James Click was implementing them too much. If you look at what James Click did. Most of the guys that were on that World Series team are Jeff Luno guys, uh, mm-hmm. Michael Elias guys from the previous regime. James Click really hadn't added a lot of great players to that World Series team, and he'd been there for a little while, so I can see why that would be a concern, and I can see why maybe they moved on from him. But I don't think analytics should be the reason that they ever move on from a GM. I think that's what makes the Astros so great in a lot of ways, is that their, their analytical pickups and the way they spend money is so efficient and effective. I don't think that's the, the, the right rationale for it at all. I mean, maybe you can say he hasn't really gotten great players in his, in his tenure there, but analytics, that's not the reason for me. Yeah, it's... It, it, to me, it just sounds like Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, it just sounds like wants the, an owner the, wants to wants to have complete control right. and wants this, that, and the other. And this guy maybe pushed back on some things, yeah. and so all right, well, you know, here's a year at a million dollars. You're not going to accept it. So it, I, I heard it referred to as a firing of sorts. Right. The the, the deal was offered almost in jest. Yeah, in a way, like it, like, w- it wasn't really a serious like, like, oh, offer. You, you want to come back? Okay, you're coming back on my terms. One right. year, one million. Right. Knew you, knew that he wasn't going to take that. Right. I don't really have an opinion on the matter. I don't. I don't know much about James Click, um, but I do know that if he was the general manager of the Astros, he's not going to have a hard time finding a job. No, he won't. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, real quick about the Ravens, they're six and three. They've won three straight. They're rushing for 188 yards per game uh, this year. They have, for the first time in their history. Apparently, they've rushed for over 150 yards in four Crazy. straight games, which kind of blew my mind because the 2019 and 2020 yeah. teams were such so good such at running good the Such good rushing ball. teams, yeah. Um, this team's getting healthier. Mm-hmm. Their defense with Roquan Smith is getting nasty. Yeah. Marcus Williams is expected back in December. Um, David Ajabo should be playing in their next game next Sunday. Yeah. Bowser made an impact immediately. Patrick Queen's getting better. This team is headed in the right direction at the right time. November, December, this is when the football really starts to matter, and they have the easiest schedule in the NFL left. Brandon Marshall said on a show the other day, and he was sitting right next to Ray Lewis, he said he thinks the Ravens are the best team in football, and it's not even close. Mm -hmm. He said this might be the best Ravens team of all time. I don't know about all that. No. But it's if this not. if this Ravens team goes fourteen and three, which they've or thir- or um, 
13 and 4 and mm-hmm. they realistically shouldn't lose another game until the final game of the year when they are likely to be resting all their guys. Yeah. If they go 13 and 4 or 14 and 3 and win a Super Bowl, yeah. you can you can make the argument they're the, they're the best Ravens team ever. However, I don't disagree that they're the best team in the NFL right now because they've had a double digit lead in every single one of their nine games. Yeah. They're a minute and 20 seconds away from being undefeated. The Eagles are really good. The, I, the Eagles are really good, yeah. too. But but I don't think the Eagles would stand a chance against the Ravens. Really? I, I, okay. I, I, I don't. I don't think the, mm. the Eagles would stand a chance against it. You saw how uh, how mediocre Josh Allen looked against the Ravens. Yeah, he, no he other team really uh, – like, even when the Dolphins beat them 17-14 to 14 or 20-17 yeah. to 17 or whatever, the Bills put up like 500 yards of total offense. Yeah. Right, and then you look at the loss to the Jets. Maybe the Jets had something. I I can't remember the yardage that that, that they put up, but the Ravens made the Bills look pedestrian, yeah. and the the Ravens should have won. A couple mistakes cost them that game. They should have won that football game. I don't think maybe it would be close with the Eagles, but I think the Ravens would beat them. Okay, and and if the Ravens were playing them in Baltimore, it would not a shadow of a doubt in my mind. Yeah, Ravens win that game. Um. Needless to say, there's not a game, so there's no predictions here. But I really think that the Ravens are starting to play their best football yep. when they come back from the bye and they have Gus Edwards back, and then in December they get J.K. Dobbins yeah. and um, Marcus Williams back. Yeah, they're the best. They're the best team in the AFC. I think they're in really good shape, and they're gonna. You know, Roquan Smith adds a whole other dimension mm-hmm. to this defense. He's a big game changer. I'm looking forward to it. I think they're gonna be really good down the stretch. There's no reason for them not to no. make the playoffs yeah. going away here. Um, that's going to do it for us on the bat around. Thank you to Stan, Stan the fan, Stan the Charles, Stan the fan Charles for his weekly segment. Thank you to Rich Dubroff, great friend of the show, for coming on and being so gracious on a day off to come and talk some Orioles off season. Uh, thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in and all of our sponsors for allowing us to be able to do this show. Guys, it's going to be a busy off season. Hopefully, it starts um, maybe as soon as Tuesday once the qualifying offers are accepted or rejected um but hopefully we have more to talk about as far as oral signings and maneuverings next saturday until then see ya